Welcome to another live edition of the BCSN Sports Wrap. I'm Brian Fulford. That's A.D. Drew. And it's a pleasure to be on with you Sunday evening as we put a bow on week zero and get ready to start looking ahead to the first full weekend of college football across the country this upcoming weekend. Drew. How are we doing tonight? Looks like you is is the internet working where you are? Right now? Yes. <laughs> all, all I heard was a rumbling outside, and then my internet decided to buffer real bad. So I'm like, okay, because I was sitting waiting to start the show, and then all of a sudden I just get the, you know, the little mouse wheel that no one can stand on the internet. So it is wheel. what it is. The, the spinning, spinning wheel. wheel. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's how that's how a lot of folks in uh Orangeburg, South Carolina are feeling uh today. Just the spinning wheel trying to figure out what the hell happened. Uh yeah. yeah. There, but yeah, yeah, there, there was a big game yesterday, Brian. There was. You know, uh yeah, yeah. Uh, Florida Memorial traveled to Bluefield, West Virginia to take on Bluefield State in a week zero matchup. Correction. Between... Correction. It was not Bluefield yeah. State. It was Bluefield, it was Bluefield. University. Bluefield University. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Big game. 97 points scored. 700 yards on one side of the ball. Uh, we'll, we'll, tell, we'll talk about that coming up a little bit but man uh want to thank everybody for coming in early uh, make sure you're following the black college sports network facebook twitter and instagram at my bcsn one the number one you can also find our bcsn sports rap page on facebook uh heading into our seventh season or we are in our seventh season uh of, of doing this show and uh you know, Drew, uh, I, I will – and you know me. I'm very honest. I'm very transparent. Uh-oh. And, you know, I I like to own up to things. And so I, I'll be eating a lot of crow in this first segment. Um, you know, if I, had a, if I had a little crow on my shoulder, I would sit him right there, you know, because I was wrong, wrong, wrong. Except Dead one thing. A wrong. 
You got one thing right, Brian. What did I get right? Because I don't feel like I got anything right last night. You got the over-under right. Did I? I did. Well, okay. <laughs> I took the under. Yes, yes. I never expected all the points to be on one side, but no, I did take the under. Did. We surely did. As, and as a matter of fact, Brian, we came within 22 seconds of a BX whack uh milestone what which was which one which was nope, there has never been a shutout in a full game of the bx white challenge yeah oh yeah and south, point. south carolina state's touchdown with 22 seconds ended that possibility of a of a uh of a shutout so the only other time there was a shutout was when the BXY Challenge was held in Bethune, but that game was called in the second quarter due to weather. <laughs> so yeah, good, good, good point. Um, well, Daytona, uh, Bethune was involved with it. I'm sorry, it was in Daytona. Yeah, that's and that's. I, back uh, I don't remember who. That's when they went campus to campus, or or very close after, to after campus, they left right? Birmingham. Yeah, after they left Birmingham and they traveled around for a few years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, the, the Miak Swag Challenge took place in Hotlanta, Georgia. Uh, <laughs> you got I, that part, right? I, I love the fact that Tiffany, uh, Tiffany Green, love Tiffany Green, fellow Rattler. I love she was very adamant about reminding anybody who watched the broadcast, especially in the first half. <laughs> she she made sure that you knew it was hot in Atlanta. Uh, I think she said it about four times as I was going back watching <laughs> the feed. I was like, yes. And I'm saying this all the while while I'm driving home and it's hot. I'm like, yes, Tiffany, it's hot. Jeez, thanks for the reminder. It's hot. Yes, it's it hot. was. It, it was a special kind of hot. Yeah, but, but you know, I, I'm curious whether it really affected the play because the entire – the thing about Center Park, by the time kickoff, pretty much the entire field – and even the bleachers or the stands were all covered in shade. So, I mean, you know, now granted that didn't help with the humidity, and there, the, there really wasn't much wind, or I don't even know how wind gets through uh, into that stadium the way they have it uh, reconfigured, uh, enclosed. Right, the way they have it enclosed, I, I don't really know how. You know, you can see the wind blowing up on the flags at the top of the scoreboard, but that's up there because there's nothing else up there blocking the wind. But anyway, that's uh, here nor there. So, um, yeah, before we get into talking about this contest, let's give a few shout outs as folks are jumping in early in the uh, chat room, whether you're on YouTube or on Facebook. Got a good show planned for you today. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, we're going to talk a little CIAA preview with our good friend Chris Ferguson of D2Football.com. Of course, Chris writes the CIAA component, uh, while our own AD Drew, of course, covers the SIC for D2Football.com. So, uh, you know, to give, give us a chance to kind of really jump into the CIAA and kind of see Chris's thoughts on the season ahead, which begins this weekend. Then uh, coming up at the top of Hour 2, we got a new special guest that's going to be joining us probably on a regular uh, during our Sunday shows. Uh, Coach Farasi Norman is going to be joining us. We're going to get a coach's perspective on some of these games that we're watching. So we're going to throw Coach right into the fire right off the bat. We're going to ask him about 
Uh, you, you, you seen that clip of Vince Lombardi where he goes, what the hell just happened? So that, that's what you ask, Coach. Uh, what the hell is going on out here? That, there it is. That's the quote. What the hell is going on out here? That's what we're going to ask Coach Norman what, what he saw uh, out there. But uh, And then we're going to get into talking about some other games and then, of course, looking at some previews for week one, so on and so forth. First in the room, HBCU band talk, uh, a Wildcat supporter. Uh, were the Wildcats in the what was that? That uh, band competition in Houston. I'm curious. I'm just just putting that out there. I don't know. I know FAMU was. How was that band competition? Anybody in the chat room? You guys go ahead and let us know. Anybody who attended, or if it's streamed, if you watched it. Chuck Huck, good to see you, man. Thanks for checking in from Monroe, Louisiana. Good evening, David Garner. Good to see you. Good to see you. Mary 305, good to see you. Welcome. Thanks for jumping in. Hey, it's Charles Edmond, the voice of Allcorn State Sports. Charles, I missed you on Saturday, man. I I missed you. I know Charles getting a little R&R in uh, his his only Saturday probably that he gets before, you know, every weekend becomes something related to Alcorn State Sports. So I hope you enjoyed your Saturday, Charles. It's the last free Saturday you get. <laughs> uh, good to have him in the chats watching us on Facebook. Uh, Theron Waters, good to see that you are you're listening on YouTube, but you're posting from Facebook. I love it. I I love that. Hey, that's, that, that's a double view. Double view. We love it. Double hits. Everybody should do that. <laughs> Double hits. <laughs> it's, all good. it's all good. Hey, thank Watch you. Watch uh, one and comment on the other. Yeah, exactly. Meredith, thanks for uh, checking in. Uh, good to see you, Tamara T, a JBN membership uh, subscriber. We appreciate you, Tamara. Definitely. Uh, Edward, good evening. Yes, exactly. Congrats to JSU and to the JSU folks congratulations yes uh adrian cook um whew, yeah they beat adrian congratulations jackson state beat up on that team like they were supposed to really bad look we're gonna get into talking about that here in just a second uh odb checking in good to see you uh let's see yeah yeah that was a Bad look for Buddy. Got to say that. Got to say that. Um, uh, yes, Edward. Yes, Savannah State is part of the BCSN lineup of uh, uh, joining our our network, uh, as well as Edward Waters. So um, we we have uh, Edward Waters, Savannah State, Miles College, Morehouse college and benedict all from the siac and Payne college Payne is in augusta of course they don't play football but they play practically every other sport that most of your uh hbcus are playing so uh yeah proud to have and happy to have savannah state uh joining us so we're looking forward to bringing those games throughout the years um yeah mary 305 you were shocked everybody Maybe except for Jackson State folks, and I and I gotta imagine maybe even Jackson State folks are shocked at the way 
South Carolina State uh, played. Uh, Walter Harley, good to see you. Thanks for coming in, checking in with us. Appreciate that. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Any others that I see on here? Well, Drew, you know, I'll. Yep. Jeremiah Clark. Yes, indeed. Good evening. Good to have you in here. Good to have you in here. Okay, so let's get into, oh, there's my guy, Jamie Walker. Good to see you, Jamie. Good to see you. Good to have you in. All right, so in this first segment, we're going to give some time here to making sure we talk about this this beating um, (laughs) that Jackson State put on South Carolina. And it was all underneath the umbrella, Drew, of the announcement that came out Thursday that Oliver Buddy Pugh was going to hang it up after this season. Uh, can, can, I, can I ask the question, Brian? Can I please ask the question? What's the question? For all, your, all the people at South Carolina State, my Bulldogs, was Buddy Pugh's announcement a distraction? You know, that's all we heard in, in Tallahassee after the video. Is that going uh. to be a distraction? Was that a distraction? I had to ask you. I, had I to you ask know, you. yeah, because I've heard some people talk about that. I, I don't, I don't know how or why it would be a distraction. You know, I mean, it's the beginning of the season. Everybody thinks everything's a distraction, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I would think it would be a motivating. What was a distraction was the defense. The defense missing assignments. What was a distraction was a poor tackling techniques. That was a distraction. Yeah. Um, so much for so much for fall camp. I, I mean, you see that kind of performance and you just want to take, you know, you, you just want to do this, Drew. Everything you did, everything you did in the fall, just it, it felt like all of it. You know, you just ball it up and throw it away, man, because uh um that, that was State, garbage. Yeah, Jackson State pretty much did any and everything uh, that they wanted to do in this contest. Um, final score, Jackson State 37, South Carolina State 7. Uh, JSU amassed just under 500 total yards, right at 499. South Carolina State only had 201 total yards. Uh, the passing game looked good for Jackson State. Uh, Jason Brown. Hey, Brian, as you go through those stats, are you going through that revised that uh, I emailed to you? I am not. I am looking at the ESPN stats. So, uh, okay. I, I did. Yeah, obviously, I all did these are. You to revise. What, what's official yet? What are we saying is official? The, what, 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 I, what I emailed to you is the official. Okay. So. I, I wound up with a copy of the official. All right. Well, why don't you pull that up? But anyway, I'll 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 access it. But can I, since I'm here on the uh, on on my on this particular page I'm on, I'm gonna just kind of gloss over these things, and you can always come back and add a yard or two to it. Um, Jason Brown looked really good <laughs> as the quarterback. Uh, Shadur who? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, but I, Jason Brown looked really good. 26 of 26 of 30. 33 or 30? Uh, just a because second. I've Jason got, Brown, 20, 
26 of 30, 356 30. yards. Yes, yeah, three touchdowns. So four incomplete passes. I mean, that's special. That's pretty good, man. Hey, um, and that's and that's not even a record, Brian. At least on the FCS level. Uh, what what do you mean? What do you mean it's not a record? I mean, for this game, for this complete, celebration, co- completion, this? Co- completion percentage. You know, I thought that may have been approaching an all-time like passing record for a game, because that's a remarkable feat for an individual game. That's almost a Christian Leitner type game, you know, Christian Leitner versus uh, Kentucky back in the day, as far as almost a perfect performance. Right, right. Yeah, um, yeah. the uh, The effort uh, was was really was really nice. By, I mean, the offense moved. I mean, I, we we'll get it. I mean, my goodness, Drew, the tempo that Jackson State. You talk about biggest takeaways. From this game, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with the tempo. I thought the tempo was was pretty interesting from the standpoint of we see a lot of teams in college run this no huddle tempo kind of thing, right? But did you notice he was getting plays off, or you know Brown Jackson State's offense was getting plays off when they ran tempo within about ten to fifteen seconds once the the new play clock starts. And more importantly, when he went to the line of scrimmage, they they had called the play as they were lining up and they ran the play. They didn't, there wasn't this get to the line. Check with me. No, it, it was like, the check, no, with, there, the check with me. There was no check with me. It was like, call it and go. And I thought that there was moments when they definitely caught South Carolina State still scrambling to figure out what they're in, what they're doing, where they're at. And they were just efficient, just whether it be run, pass. A couple times, I swear they ran the same play two consecutive times, and they both got like 15 yards. And I was I wanted to go back and say, how many 20-plus yard plays did Jackson State have, or maybe say 15-plus yards? I, I mean, that was pretty impressive. And, and so, again, when you open the season that way, Drew, that that's pretty that's pretty impressive, pretty impressive. What's what's a takeaway? What's one of the big takeaways you had? Sixty four yards passing by South Carolina State. Hmm. Yeah, let's let's put that into perspective. Jason Brown's long was forty seven yards. <laughs> yes, it was sixty four yards passing and we know South Carolina State is not a passing team they're not going to throw for 400 in in any particular game but to to have less than 100 yards is almost uh it's 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 sad it's 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 a but the way you say they're not a a passing team but you you look at those first two drives and that's that's the problem Brian yeah you you had a team that played to a different characteristic than we've traditionally seen. Now, obviously, if they're trying to play to that style, they have recruited for that style. They've gone to the portal and getting that style. But the execution did not work. So when I saw South Carolina State trying to run tempo and trying to 
pass the ball quickly, I knew they were in trouble. Five of the five, but, first, five of the first six plays, of course, they went three and out the first two possessions, but five of those six plays, all pass plays. Exactly. But they actually had success on the ground. Yes, they did. For, they finally decided yeah, to when you it. put it into perspective, but they got down so far where it was ineffective for them to consistently run the ball. So that 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 was the problem. I mean, how uh Jawarm Howell had 49 yards on the ground. Uh Shaw was tw- with 23. Corey Fields himself ran for 32. Corey Fields did not even uh have a hundred total yards. He had 60 passing, 15 uh with a net of 17 on the ground. 77 yards, Brian. South Carolina State's fourth possession. Now, this is following the Jackson State missed field goal, right? Okay, down 7-0. The next possession by South Carolina State, a nine play, only 12 yards, but it it really felt more – it should have been more than that because they started it off on their own 20. Uh, They got a run of five yards, run of four. Uh, This is all with Howell running the ball, right? Then they pick up six yards. That's a first down. Then another four yards. They get another first down. Um, then Fields, incomplete pass. Then they bring in the other tailback, Casey Fields. He gets an eight-yard run. Then they get a – so now they're at the 40. Fields gets another run of seven yards, and here's where it all fell apart. A block below the waist, illegal block by the offense, 15-yard killer. Um, They still – and that's where it fell apart right there because the play after that, it's a loss of one. Then you got Fields trying to throw again. Next two plays, incomplete pass, incomplete pass. You're forced to punt. And so what started out as a drive that got you all the way to the South Carolina State 48-yard line. You got the midfield. You got 38 yards, got the midfield, and then what happened? Boom, penalty killed you. And then, you know, they just – they could they could never do anything after that. I mean, that was, that was the first drive. That was their opportunity – uh, they had another possession where they went out on downs near midfield. And, you know, but I think South Carolina State waited too long to run the ball. They they should have been running the ball, if not in that very first possession, Drew, they should have been running the ball in the second possession. Way too much passing uh, going on. Um, one of the things that I heard in the postgame presser from Buddy Pugh was that your offensive their offensive coordinator was new as of the summer, because the previous OC had left after the spring game. So that's, you know, that's never that's never a good sign because, you know, look, you go from having somebody that you've been working with all through spring, and then all of a sudden he leaves, here comes a new guy. And, and you know, I, I don't know. It, it was just a just a bad spot to be in. So um, we'll get into talking a so little bit. Here's more. Qu- okay. One, go ahead. one question before we break it away. And I'm pulling out my inner Mike Washington on this, Brian. Is this a new data point? Because this is a new regime at South Carolina state. And, or is this a continuation 
of the accumulation of data that we've had in the two and a half, three years since Prime took over at Jackson State. Because if this is a single data, you know, if this is a data point, this is more like a data dot, not a data point. What what are you referring to? Maybe I'm maybe I'm not as, what you're referring to. As far as what we are able to analyze from Jackson State, is Jackson State that good? Is South Carolina State that bad? that bad, or is it somewhere in, or is it somewhere in between? Because this Jackson State team looks eerily similar to the Jackson State teams that we've seen for the last two years. Yeah, they do. Yep. They, they 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 have the depth, they have the speed. Some of some of the positions where the speed is at may have changed a little bit, but and they look the philosophy up front in the they, 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 they look physical up front. I if you if you took uh Brown's number and changed Brown's number from four to two, could you have really tell the difference between what we saw last year and what we saw what we saw in that game? Let's be honest. Let's be honest with that, Brian. Could yeah. you really tell the difference? Yeah. Uh. Those receivers out there on the way, did, did those receivers not look like what we have seen the last two years? Here's what here's what I'll take away from this. How you open the season. Like, we've seen Jackson State open against trash opponents. I, I mean, I, I shouldn't say that. I should Against really you bad, unprepared. I did say it. Against unprepared opponents. Somebody in the chat room. My eyes were on the word, and that, that threw me off. <laughs> bad opponents. Uh, bad p- Teams that weren't ready for the start of week one. Now, I don't know whether it's I, – you tell me South Carolina State was ready for, for week zero this first game. No. I'd scratch my head and say, mm. and like Buddy Pugh if said. That, if that coach, was being ready, it's going to be a long fall in Orangeburg. That, that's one where the coaches, look, he, he he did right by saying the coaches take that one. The coaches take that one. We put all the blame on the coaches for, for this one. I don't care how new you were or how recently you got there. Put that one on the coaches. Um it's a it's a bad look, you know. Jackson State had just as much time getting ready as South Carolina State, and you're an FCS program. You shouldn't be looking like an NAIA or a Division II opponent, and that's what it looked like Jackson State was going up against. All right, let's take a break, Drew. Very short break because right on the other side, we're going to talk to friend of the program, Chris Ferguson. Uh, to get in a little CIAA preview for the upcoming year. So we're going to talk to Chris and kind of find out uh, his take on uh, what this season is going to look like in the CIAA. You guys hang in there with us. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. We'll be back right on the other side. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Itchy, squirmy, scratchy, family not getting clean. 
get Charmin Ultra Strong. Go get them. It just cleans better. With a diamond weave texture, your family can use less while still getting clean. Goodbye, itchy squirm. Hello, clean bottom. <laughs> <laughs> we all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? At Hampton Law, our primary goal is to provide non-traditional yet effective solutions and redefine the approach to client legal concerns. As your trusted legal advisor, we believe in sophisticated, personalized services that eliminate the confusion and complexity sometimes associated with legal matters. Our high standard for client care and concern, coupled with our extensive legal knowledge and skills, make Hampton Law a resource focused on the protection of the client's interest and overall goals. We value our clients and truly enjoy working with them. Visit thamptonlaw.com to conveniently schedule an appointment online. Tamika Hampton Esquire. 1631 Rock Springs Road, Suite 336, Apopka, Florida, 407-494-1471, thamptonlaw.com. Nope. Nope. You want him? Ooh, I like him. The Quicker Picker-Upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the Quicker Picker-Upper. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High-quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge, featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. Stride K-12 Powered Schools are ready to put over 20 years of being a leader in online education to work for you. Dive into curriculum design for the online classroom. Team up with state certified teachers nice. trained in virtual instruction. Take control of your child's education journey. Discover the power of personalized learning with a leader experienced in preparing kids for a future they can be excited about. Take charge. Stride K-12. Enroll now for the fall. Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Look who's joining us. It's our good friend, Chris Ferguson, D2Football.com, CIAA columnist. Follow Chris at D2KFerg, F-E-R-G. Chris, how you doing, man? You, re you ready for the football season? Man, I'm excited. There's a lot to talk about, a lot to go through. Uh, I don't even know where to start. It's just so much. So I'm just, I'm just happy to be here with you guys. It's been so long. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Good to see you. The beard is looking good. It looks like it's full growth. No grays, by what I can tell. That means you're living right. Trying. Stress free. <laughs> he feels left out. Yeah, I, I, trust me, trust me. I know. That's why I said stress free because see, that's what that's where these grays come from, right, Drew? Tell him. Exactly. Exactly. And I refuse to do the die thing. So 
Uh, I I tried it. It didn't it didn't hold very well. I tried to get that soap that you massage in. Uh, what a waste! What a waste! It only cost me a few bucks, so I, I'm not complaining too hard. All right, so Chris, CIAA action starts this uh, this week. Obviously, predicted order. Let's start with kind of the predicted order of finish, which I found a little amusing. Uh, <laughs> the fact that uh, you know. Uh, the CIAA, they went all 12, so we really don't know what the divisions are uh, per this order of finish. But Fayetteville State first, Bowie State second, Virginia Union third. And that's what kind of caught me by surprise. What caught you by surprise about the predicted order of finish? Well, I, I would say the surprise is probably a little bit further down the order. Um, if you look at how they ended up in the seven, eight slots. And you kind of see um, a, a name that hasn't been that high in a long time, Josh C. Smith. Mm. I, I think that one caught more people off surprise because, you know, the, the CLWA champion, the coaches tend to kind of give them the benefit of the doubt going into the season. But to have John C. Smith, you know, higher than like a Winston State, I, I think that really stands out quite a bit. And, um, and, and I think that that one was the big surprise out of all where all the teams landed. Who who does if the coaches? I was going to ask. Hold on. Who, who does Johnson C. Smith have? I mean, because I'll play dumb. I, what does Johnson C. Smith have coming back that warranted this type of uh, love, so to speak? Well, the the thing about Johnson C. Smith is last year they lost several games by less than a touchdown. Um, they had quite a few heartbreakers um, where they could have. I think they had Chowan on the ropes. They let that one slip slip by, and, and a couple other teams. And and to understand what happened to them is as the season went on, really the main player that got hurt was the quarterback Tyrell Jackson. So when he went down, they just didn't really have the depth at quarterback to 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 keep going. They had a little bit. They did have. Um, uh, their second string quarterback, uh, Malik, uh, who he played, he did fine, and he got hurt. So they were down to a third string quarterback uh, when they were in division play last year. And, you know, really Tyrell Jackson is kind of the, it seems like he was kind of making break. Um, and, and the other things, they were really young last year. I mean, they were very, very young. Now, JCSU has gone into the transfer portal very heavy. Um, there's a lot of guys on this list that I'm looking at. They have pulled from um, various um, Division II, FCS, and even um, BCS level schools like Power Five and and Group of Five schools. So, I mean, they they went shopping, and uh, I think they've landed some guys who might can uh, plug in some holes. Um, but uh, rest assured, they're not sitting uh, on their laurel, on their laurels uh, at all. They're hungry. All right, yeah. Go ahead, Drew. My bad. Oh no, it's all good. Uh, now you just mentioned that the coaches tend to put the champions back at the top, which pretty much every conference tends to do that. So with the North Division champion being Shawan, not in the conference anymore, you would think that the coaches would have put the runner-up in the North, be in Virginia Union, and moved them up that one slot. But instead, they jumped 
Bowie over Virginia Union like this was 2021 once again. What's going on with that? That was a little bit of a surprise, too. That's probably like number two on my list of surprises, uh, mainly because with Virginia Union, you're at least starting with having Jada Byers, who was the leading rusher um, in all of Division II last year. Um, yes, you lost your quarterback to graduation. Yes, they did go to the transfer portal to get who I think is going to be, you know, somebody who might be able to help on quarterback. And then they also had uh, another individual uh, in Christian Reed who, you know, played a little bit uh, last year at the quarterback slot. They lost a little bit of offensive linemen, um, but the defense is still pretty intact, especially that defensive line. So, um, you know, if you looked at like the, the preseason all CIAA picks, I mean, it was full of Virginia Union players. So, you know, Bowie State's got a lot of question marks coming in. Um, you know, again, they, they're trying to address some of the things that they need through the transfer portal. But the one thing I did notice, like their offensive line is pretty young and they didn't really have that great of a running game last year, um, even though they have returning rushers and a quarterback that, you know, is trying to stick in the NFL now. So the offense is a huge question mark in addition to losing like a Josh Fryer. So that one, I don't, I don't know on that one. That was kind of perplexing to me. Yeah. You uh, just, uh, I'm doing a quick count here. Yeah. It's like two guys from Bowie state on that all CIAA team. And there's eight from union and, but you know, it's like, are the same people again? Are the same people doing the the all? It makes you, I tell you, it makes you wonder. There's like an investigation that needs to happen because, like, wait a minute, there's you you got eight guys from Union, but you have them losing the buoy, or I guess somehow finishing second. Um, what other takeaways from the preseason predictions? Any other any other surprises or anything else that caught you? Oh, well, I was gonna say with Union, it might be like the player here just bought from from uh, Chappelle's show, and they're going, hate, 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 hate. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's what it is against Union. I don't know, but um, yeah, it's kind of, kind of, kind of a conundrum there. Um, you know, outside of that, I, I really don't think there's a ton of surprises here. I mean, you look at a Virginia State; they're trying to get to that next level. Um, I think they're probably right where they are. Um, Shaw. I mean, Shaw, like every year, every year, every year, every we're year. like, Shaw. <laughs> <laughs> every year, right? So nothing, nothing more needs to be said about them. They've got a, a lot to prove yet again. Uh, will they have enough? Who knows? Um, you know, at the bottom, I, I think Lincoln, you know, not being um, a, a super low is certainly um, worth looking at a little bit uh, because, Who's who's below them? You know, you've got Livingstone, you've got Saint Aug. I think even Elizabeth City's below them, and 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 Lincoln's got they've got some talent uh, on on the roster um, now. So it, it'll be interesting to see if they can turn that into a little bit more this year and take that next step. Um, let's give some love. Let's kind of talk about the champs. I don't, I don't know if people people do. You know, you should know. Uh, they're the predicted order of finish. They are 
the defending champs, Fayetteville State, the Broncos, finally got over the hump so we can we can kind of move past that narrative. We don't have to really talk about that story unless somebody's going to say, well, now let's see you do it again. I, I'm just saying, you know, unless someone wants to do that. But I'm going to give them their flowers and say, you know, this program finally achieved what, you know, they, they've been there. They've been the, the second best program in the CIAA for the last four years, right there next to Bowie, obviously. So what's your what's your thoughts on this Fayetteville State team coming back with the with the quarterback that helped win them that title last year? Uh what what do you think Coach Hayes has in the uh in the stable? You know, are they are they gonna be good enough to actually win some of those non-conference games this year? Well, they've got a very challenging non-conference slate. So you know the CIAA now is down to two games. Um, for the second consecutive year. And who did they go out and schedule? They went out and scheduled USC Pembroke in a rivalry game on Thursday night mm-hmm. and, and Lenore Ryan. They ain't scared. I mean, that they is intense. Scared. They ain't scared. Fayetteville's like, come on, we'll it. let's go. Let's go. We'll, we'll scare. Let's go. Right, right. So, and you know, I think the Lenore Ryan is, is really, really interesting because I think they could play them close. It's a matter of, you know, can, is there enough on offense to get get past them? But I think the defense will keep them close. Um, you know, UNC Pembroke, um, that's nothing more than Chowan 2.0 right now. If you think about the fact that Mark Hall and much of his staff went over to Chowan in the offseason, a lot of the roster left Chowan and transferred to UNC Pembroke. Wow. Uh, so th- that is nothing more than the rivalry uh, 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 of uh, Fayetteville State and Chowan mixed in with Fayetteville State and USC Pembroke. So don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. Um, as to Fayetteville State, the team, um, you know, they, they had a lot of they had quite a few young pieces at key spots um, and then they had a lot of a lot of depth. Um, particularly on the defensive line. You know, they lost uh, one of their stars on the defensive line uh, to the FCS. But then uh, Cam Romero comes back. He flirted with the transfer portal, but decided ultimately to stay uh, and and uh, kind of anchor uh, that defense quite a bit. Um, I think that defense is going to be just as good as it was last year, if the roster tells me anything. Um, you know, again, it kind of it kind of comes down to Fable State was a, old school team that slugged it out in a lot of games last year not very high scoring you know in a lot of in a lot of cases but when you think they didn't have enough on offense they got just enough and and you can't really just peg what that offense could be so uh, it, it's hard to count them out it is a very hard team to count out uh, Richard Hayes is fine finds a way most more likely than not in, in a lot of ways. All right. All right, Chris. What about the new new kids on the block? Bluefield State. Will they compete? Will they? Because they've played a few CIAA teams since they've rebirthed their football program and have beaten those CIAA teams. But let's keep this into perspective. They have played, for lack of a better word, the bottom dwellers of the CIAA. Yep. So from the outside looking in, it looks like Bluefield State will come in 
as a possible mid-tier team with a you know that may steal a game against the low, the lower echelons of that uh, upper level. What what do you have for them? Well, right now it's a little bit hard to peg where they are because uh, the roster hasn't come out for them. They're one of the very very few teams right now that hasn't uploaded their rosters yet. So I I, I have a hard time kind of pegging what they look what they may look like. Um, so you know, last season uh, they came back to beat John C. Smith in one of those heartbreaker games in overtime. Um, they they beat Elizabeth City. Uh, and, and, and that's kind of, you know, what you're referring to, um, you know, I, I think that, yeah, they're probably, I think they're like ninth in the, in the preseason order. Um, yeah. that's probably about right. Um, that's probably about right. So, um, they got a long ways to go though, to compete for, you know, a title in either division, quite honestly, because remember they did play Virginia state. And that was a that was an eye opener for them. Um, I think it was like 30-47 was this, the score last time, <laughs> and, and that just shows you how far they have to go. But I, I think that uh, Coach Coxum is is making all the right moves. He he doesn't stick recruiting in West Virginia. He he they travel um, to recruit, um, and so you know at least people will see what it takes to win, even in the CIAA, and and make the necessary adjustments. Lincoln, Lincoln, PA, Chris, they got to be a little, you mentioned, you mentioned them, but they got to be a little upset or, or maybe stumped at everyone picking Bluefield state to finish ahead of them. Uh, not only within the division, but just overall, you know, I'd, I'd be a little agitated if I were Lincoln, PA, like when that game happens. <laughs> yeah. Lincoln. Lincoln's Lincoln has got a lot to prove though. I mean, so Lincoln, their, their head coach last year, um, he actually moved up into administration. So Frank Turner uh, is now the head coach there, who's the defensive coordinator. Um, they have quite a few pieces coming back, but Lincoln just really hasn't earned the benefit of the doubt in a lot of cases. And, and, and they've got a lot of talent at the skill positions, but it, it just hasn't translated to um, long-term, like sustainable success just yet. So I am kind of, I've always looked at Lincoln with intrigued. Um, I think this is a year that, yeah, them and Bluefield probably will slug it out to see who can finish um, behind uh, Bowie, <laughs> Virginia Union, Virginia State, uh, which I think is a good place. That's, that's progress for them. Uh, but, but uh, man, they just, you, you want to, those are folks you really want to root for at, at least to see what they can do. Um, they've been down for so long. So. Mm -hmm. uh, let me ask this question. Uh, as we think about teams and what type of season they might have, what coaches are on the, I hate to do it, hot seat this upcoming year? Who, who needs to have a good season to keep the, the uh, the boosters and and the alumni base off their rear this year. <laughs> this is such a loaded question. It is. It, I, I, I wanted to see what you were going to say. I, I would tell you who's mine, but I'm not the CIAA columnist. I'm going to let you answer it. So, like, there are two. There are really two coaches that come to mind here, and. Um, 
you know, the first one, I, I'm just going to put it out there. Um, I mean, Robert Massey's got a, a heck of a job ahead of him uh, because, you know, Winston's faithful is just so used to winning and they've just been down to the dumps for several years. And um, I don't think the alumni were ever really truly sold on him as, you know, somebody worthy of a three, four year contract. Um, now, granted, I think, you know, I think that he that the hiring of A&T's old co offensive coordinator, Chris Barnett, is a plus uh, and is an upgrade from last year. Uh, you know, how far does that get him? Who knows? But I, I think that that's a step in the right direction. You know, it's kind of like I, I, I did a, a, a show uh, a few years ago where there was a defensive coach who, you know, said, I don't know. I don't deal with the offense. I leave it to the offensive coordinator. I, he was a defensive coach. That was his background. And he stuck to that because, you know, Massey is, is he was a defensive back. And Winston's defensive backs are typically really, really good. I mean, and, and you see that. And I think that, like, if, you know, Winston maybe gets away from trying to, like, run the ball well over 30 times a game and see if they can develop a passing game, um, then it's a team to watch out for. Um, they, they've got a lot of talent at the wide receiver position, and it's a matter of who's going to throw them the ball. Um, so I think that, you know, just not – he's not going to lose his job because, I mean, Winston is not going to pay him out of his contract. But he's definitely got um, – he's just got a lot of heat on him from, from the alumni in, in, in particular. Um the other coach I'll probably mention uh, is is uh, Adrian Jones at Shaw, and you know they've they've just always been at the cusp. But when you're just there for so long, you start to wonder, well, what is it going to take to get over the hump? Um, and you know Shaw last year, it, it, they just had bad luck um, because the injuries really piled up on them, and it just it it, it just sort of it really derailed them on what could have been a, a pretty good team. It was a lot of what-ifs last year. So the, the hope is that, you know, you would see them kind of bounce back and uh, and, and and really uh, uh, show up when it matters the most uh, in division play. Hey, uh, I was just looking at Winston-Salem's schedule here. And outside of starting against North Carolina Central, and on the road at this Ohio Dominican team, which actually I was looking at, they were what, a seven and three team, six and two. So tough. Oh, I mean, look, it might be 0 and two. But after that, after that, look, it opens up like just coming out of a dark cloud where all of a sudden it's sunshine. You got Elizabeth City State at home, Bluefield State at home, you travel to Lincoln, PA, you got Livingstone. All that happening before Shaw. You could be sitting at four and two with four conference <laughs> wins, four and oh in conference. Yeah, four and oh. Yeah. So I mean I if I think if you're less than that, I think uh be worried. Be worried, Ram fans, Ram Nation, be worried. Winston could be anything between five and one and oh and six. I mean, it's it's that wide open and you just don't know what you're going to get because like like Ohio Dominican, um, 
they're they're a good team. They're a really good team. Um, but the issue with Ohio Dominican is that the 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 top end of the CIAA can play with them. And I think you saw that like a year or two ago when Virginia State played them. They should have won that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the kicking woes that that derailed them in that game. And so that kind of gave me hope that like the top of the CIAA. Now, I mean, yes, yeah, a year or two ago, but um, it's the GLVC. No, the uh, the GMAC, the GMAC, and and they're they're not like a top league like some of the other schools, like some of the other conferences are Division Two. Um, I think it's a good measuring stick for Winston to see where they are, because if Ohio Dominican drags them down the field. I will. I would really be concerned. But if they can hang tough, even if they lose and they hang tough in that game, I, I'm. I'd be a little optimistic um, there going into that slate that you just mentioned. But if Winston goes like one and five, you know, zero and six. I mean, I might have to start ramping up my own <laughs> uh, donations or something at some point. I mean, it. it I mean, that's just brutal if they can't. Yeah. If they can't string you know, win streak out of that. Um, yeah. I'm telling you. But, but Brian, who's yeah. the other team with those same three crossover games? Uh, that would be one Johnson C. Smith, ooh. who everybody has picked to kind of to move up. Same three crossover games, obviously a right. different order. So Johnson C. has that same type of opportunity, except they get Shaw one week earlier. So... Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting between those two teams. Yeah. And and I throw out there that John C. Smith's out-of-conference schedule is way easier um, as well. They play Walsh, um, who uh, is also at the same conference as Ohio Dominican, uh-huh. and West Virginia Wesleyan. Yeah. Um, so I think we'll see really early if John C. Smith is going to have um, the uh, offensive firepower that they seem to have and whether it can work. Um, because if so, um, you know, I, I think that's just, you know, a 2-0 John C. Smith, that's going to throw uh, uh, some people for a loop. That's going to get people excited. That's going to get yeah. a lot of people excited. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, before we let you out of here, Chris, uh, other than Jada Byers, give us a name or two that we should be looking for in the CAA. Somebody that you think might be in the running for player of the year, offensive or defensive, or maybe even uh, that coveted black college player of the year award uh well i would say that uh you know that whole talk can't start without jada byers uh coming back uh, we know that he can catch we know that he can he can run so you know that you know by far i think he's the, the player to watch not just at the uh conference level but nationally remember he finished fourth and in the Harlan Hill Trophy for the best player in Division Two last year, um, uh, yeah, absolutely. The hate, the hate for running backs just carries on into the college level. Well, and it's not just that, but it's also at the HBCU level too. I mean, that too, just just that shouldn't have happened, in my opinion. But that's just me. I'm so just he's a du- so he's a double minority. He's a double minority, right? Absolutely. Um, a couple of other names to, to, to watch out for um, would be uh, Sidney Gibbs at Shaw, uh, who was also a very powerful runner. He 
is my understanding from the, looking at the roster is I don't think Andre, Andre Brandon is there. Um, so if that's the case, then he doesn't have to split as many carries. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that will certainly um, be really interesting. Um, you know, maybe whoever starts at quarterback of Virginia State, I think, has a, has a step, whether it's the transfer, uh, Romello Williams or Jordan Davis, um, could probably take a step uh, in that direction as well. Um, as somebody else to, to sort of look at. And then, like I said, if if you got somebody like a Brevin Caldwell, wide receiver, John C. Smith, have another big splash um, this year, he could be another one to sort of look at um, at the CIAA for player of the year. Nice, nice, nice. Um, any, uh, you want to give any plugs or anything, Chris? Anything you want to plug or, or let people know about on the way out? Well, you know, at the Division Two level, um, we also have our show as well, uh, Inside D2 Football. Uh, that comes on actually in an hour um, that I'm on as well. Um, I, I am doing my preseason prediction, which probably was likely going to differ from what the coaches put together. Uh, for, you know, what do I know? Um, but uh, um, uh, that will be coming out probably Tuesday or Wednesday once I get all this stuff typed up, um, do all my research and see if any more rosters get posted. Um, sound like sound like me in the SAC. Unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> unbelievable that these coaches don't have rosters up. I I, I am a, I am stunned by that. Just unbelievable. Well, maybe it's the SID. You know, got a lot going on, or maybe they're just withholding information to try to get the leg up on the first game. But um, you know, conspiracy theories. Um, but uh, yeah, you catch me on 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 Twitter as well. My handles, you know, right down here. And, uh, you know, looking forward to how uh, week one plays out. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, uh, Chris, we always love talking to you. Always love uh, catching up with the CIAA. You guys make sure to uh, follow Chris. No, There's no better follow on Saturdays, especially if you love CIAA football than following Chris on Saturday because uh, he'll have like, what, five TV monitors and he's jumping from game to game, tweeting. I mean, good stuff, Chris. Um Always love following you on Saturdays. Uh, D2 Ferg, F-E-R-G, on X, uh, formerly known as Twitter. And uh, make sure you check out D2Football.com, where he's the CIAA columnist. Of course, AD is the SIC columnist. So uh, shout out to D2Football.com. Thank you for uh, supporting our brothers with some HBCU content. So, Chris, thank you, man. Thanks for your time this evening. Have a good uh, show. We look forward to uh, reading those predictions later in the week, all right? I appreciate y'all always. All right. Take appreciate care. You, Chris. All right. Uh, we're going to take a break. Coming up on the other side, Coach Ferrasi Norman is going to come on, and we're going to talk a little about, uh, from a coach's perspective, what we saw from uh, the celebration – I keep want to say the celebration, bowl, the uh, MIAC SWAC challenge. <laughs> we saw a beatdown, right? <laughs> yeah, that we saw, but maybe we can find out why we saw the beat down. Right. What what John what John Grant say said they get back. Yeah, somebody got back, all right, for that, sure. Yeah, that was the get back. The get back. All right, uh, hang in there with us. We're gonna take a short short break. Come back on the other side. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap right here on the Black College Sports Network.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay, call Cuvay. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard, as well as the upcoming week of HBCU sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watson and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www. SlowBurnWaco.com. All right, welcome back to the BCSM Sports Wrap. Brian AD here, and it's a pleasure to be joined. Well, let's I, see. I don't think Coach can hear us. Coach, are you able to hear us? If I need to log out, log back in for us, Coach, because we're getting some feedback. All right, let's see. Uh, coach, let's see if we can uh, get we'll, – we'll see if we can get message. Yeah. Um, While you get him straight, Brian, I'm going to go over some of the comments that we've received in the, uh, in the chats. Uh, let's, let's go back to this one from Adrian Crook. Uh, ooh, can't put that one up. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were reading these comments, Drew. What the, what the hell is going it. on out here? <laughs> but I'll read it without the uh expletive. Uh, Jesus, Adrian says, Father of all, uh, why he kept running those screens when that crap wasn't working. Talking about South Carolina State, Edward said. The more physical team won, 
give JSU their credit. Um, going on down the line. Changing the subject just a little bit. Braden draws in, and we're going to get into this in just a few moments. Bama State is going to blast Southern. I don't know about blast, but I think that's going to be a very competitive ball game. That Bama State defense comes to play like they did last year. Then the uh, then that game versus Southern should be real interesting. Royal Maxwell says, "Now it's fam you time. The D line will make Musa very comfortable." Royal, I will tell you this: if that D line plays like they just played against uh, South Carolina State. Yes, they will uh, make Boosa very uncomfortable. But I think FAMU's line might be a tad bit better than the uh, South Carolina State offensive line, at least in this one game sample that we that we have. Mm-hmm. And if you need if you need to step away, Brian, early predictions, huh? Yeah. Tuskegee will win the SIAC championship. Mm. That's that one's gonna be a little tough there, uh, John. You know, with with the SIAC going away from divisions, the role for Tuskegee to get to the SIAC championship is going to be a lot tougher than it has been in the past. Let's take a look at Tuskegee's schedule. They opened up with Fort Valley, Kentucky State. Uh, Fort Valley being the uh, Red Tails Classic on the road at Kentucky State. Then they host Central State and Lane at home. That Lane game is going to be tougher than most people traditionally think it will be. Then they take on Alabama A&M in Huntsville for Alabama A&M's homecoming before traveling to Birmingham for the Tuskegee-Morehouse Classic. Uh, then you've got the Edward Waters game, which they will be hosting. Savannah State, don't know what to make about Savannah State, but here's the game, Brian. Coach Slater returns to mm. Cleve Abbott Memorial Alumni Bowl. What's the date on that? That is October 28th, and that's homecoming for Tuskegee. Oh. Well, that's only fitting. Coach Slater, come on now. You know, I hope Tuskegee, and I'm gonna tell I'm gonna put this out there now. Tuskegee, you better have a video presentation. Now you got that new nice big board. A big video you better, board. You better have a video presentation for the start of the second quarter so that you know you're you're welcoming back coach uh uh, uh you know coach and back to campus and we thank you for all the years and everything you did. You, you gotta I mean, he's have, only the second winning this coach in Tuskegee you history. You got to do it right. You only get one opportunity to do this right, Tuskegee. So, uh, Coach Ruffin, go ahead and make that happen. Do right by your by uh, your former coach there. Uh, right. I think we got, and, I think and, we got and, our guests ready, Drew. Whenever you uh, then, of course, are ready. Uh, they travel to Fairfield to take on Miles, and then they have the Turkey Day Classic uh, at Alabama State. So. Uh, it's going to be interesting with the SIC since they've gone away from divisions. You can go ahead and bring your own coach if you uh, okay, if you want to, Brian. All right. So as we get ready to go, we want to uh, bring on, let's see, we got Coach Ferrasi Norman. Coach, can you hear us? Can you hear me? We can yes, hear we you. Yes, we can. 
Hello? All right. All okay, right. yes, I can hear you guys. Good deal, good deal. Well, uh, joining the show right now is Coach Ferrosti Norman, a uh, Langston University grad, uh, and also you and we've been blue <laughs> over 20 years of coaching football. And uh, one of the new things we're going to do this season, we're going to bring in coach. Give us that coaching perspective on some of these games and matchups. Because, you know, you guys like to listen to us chit chat and talk all day. And then we get other people who write and talk about it. But, you know, sometimes we got to just have a coach who can come in and someone who's been there in the meetings in the practices, and, and so on and so forth. So, Coach, welcome to the BCSN Sports Wrap, Black College Sports Network. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited, everything like that. Any way I can help, I sure will. Hey, Coach, yeah. why don't we, before we, get in, before we get into talking about the game, tell us a little bit about your your background, some of your areas of, of, of coaching uh, over the past uh, 20 years. So, so you know, people can get sort of the, the short form version of, of you. And I mean, obviously we'll, we'll talk more during the course of the season, but, but just kind of give the, the elevator, what do you say, the, the elevator pitch, the elevator introduction. <laughs> no problem. I'm a, a proud graduate of Langston University. I played football and ran track there in 95, 96 um, from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Started coaching at Langston University. From there, I've, done, I've always been at the small college level, you know, D2, D3, NAIA, junior college, college prep. I was a head coach at New Mexico Prep Sports Academy in my hometown of Albuquerque, New Mexico from 2007 to 2011. Uh, won a lot of games, helped a lot of young men move on to four-year universities, have 250 young men. Um, 25 of my guys went D1. Um, been coaching O-line since 2007. Uh, love O-line. I tell people without O-line, you can't play the game. Uh, I'm old school. I like to run the ball. I know everybody in these days like to throw the ball. Everybody's pass happy and everything like that. But I still believe in big, strong, solid offensive linemen running downhill. Uh, love the game of football. Very educated. I have a bachelor's, master's in secondary education and just looking to help anyone that's possibly looking for some assistance. Wonderful. Wonderful. Right. Well, um, you know, Coach, we, we, you and I have had some great conversations offline. Yeah. Um, and, of course, you know, last night um, you had the start of the season, week zero, uh, MEAC SWAC Challenge, South Carolina State, Jackson State. Before we get into the particulars of the game, let's kind of just <laughs> – As coach, as coach let, chuckles over Already there. shaking his head, right? Let's talk about just the preparation that is going into the first game. Maybe take us from, you know, as you watch this game, you got a new coach first year as the head coach for T.C. Taylor of Jackson State, and you've got the, the veteran, Buddy Pugh, who announces – his retirement two 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 days before the kickoff. What's the what's the preparation like for uh, a you know for Buddy Pew in that situation and and then maybe TC Taylor in his in his role first year coach head coach. Let's start with TC Taylor first. I think TC was under pressure because since the day Dion resigned and went to Colorado, everyone's like, do we have the right guy? He's, he's an alumni. He's from Jackson. But is he the right guy? You know, we all know he was offense coordinator for one year, then Dion demoted him. So I think TC took this personal, like, hey, I, I'm a very good coach. And I was given this great opportunity. And I'm pretty sure he sat down with his coaches and his players and said, hey, you guys, I need this game. I need this game to show everybody who I am, that I'm not Deion Sanders, I'm TC Taylor. Um, I was very surprised on the way they played, though, honestly. I, I thought that with so many people being exiting that program, I thought that they would come out a little lethargic. Um, I thought they would play hard because I figured that he would pump them up. 
but I didn't expect them to play the way they did, man. They played, they looked like the Jackson State of the last two years. Um, they looked good. They were physical. That offensive line, I was very impressed with that offensive line, man. They ran that ball well, especially that, like, was it the second or third play of the game when the guy had that 50, 60-yard run to the house? Um, that guard stayed on his play. The tackle opened up that hole, and he hit and he hit it, man. I mean, as a running back, ex-option quarterback, that's what we look for, look for great play like that. Um, I was very happy for TC because I know it's always good to get that monkey off your back, that first one, and get all the doubters, you know, to come out the closet and say, okay, you know, this guy's got something special. And I know he's got a big uh, fan base with the Jackson alumni, but today I'm pretty sure he's got to have some people jumping on his bandwagon and say, hey, that was, that was just a great job coaching. On the other sideline, Coach Pugh, I mean, Coach Pugh's a legend. I mean, I put him in the same category as I do with Eddie Robinson, who I think is the best football coach of all time, and uh, Frank Gathers from, from, from your university, um, FAMU. Um, to make that announcement early, uh, I think it probably took some air out of the team because the South Carolina State team that we're usually seeing a plan, they're physical, they attack you doesn't matter when they got a new offensive coordinator or defensive coach. I mean, them guys play hard because who their coach is. So I'm pretty sure as a player, I love this guy. And he announced that he's leaving. I think that took a little win out of South Carolina State. And that's what we saw because we didn't see the same South Carolina team that we're used to seeing. They didn't play like the South Carolina team. Um, I don't know what kind of season they're going to have. I can't predict that. But I know yesterday they just didn't play like the team that we're used to seeing playing. I mean, they got a great big offensive line. I mean, they got what um, in the 1980s when the Redskins had their team called the Hogs. They had them big boys. And then what Emmitt Smith had when they called the wall, they got a line equivalent to that. And I thought that run game would just be tremendous running downhill. And they had some spurts here and there. They had a couple of freshman running backs that, you know, pretty sure to be good in the future. And a little quarterback, he had a little turner corner and, you know, little things of that sort. But they got pressured a lot. They gave up some sacks. So I'm thinking as a player, I was probably distraught because our leader of this program, the guy I love, the guy I want to image myself as, had just told me, hey, fellas, I'm walking away. So I think that was probably on South Carolina State's mind, like we're, we're losing a great one, you know. So I don't think they was really ready to play the kind of game that Jackson State came out to play. And then on the other hand, go back across the sideline, T.C. Taylor was like, hey, you know, in this coaching, we got, the, we got this saying that everyone's got problems. And they got a problem, we got our problem. Our problem is we got to prove to everybody we can still be Jackson State. Their problem is they got to figure it out because we ain't got time to figure out their problem. We got to win this game. And obviously we saw the outcome of the game. Um, O-line-wise, once again, I was kind of um, shocked that South Carolina State played the way they played, being as big and as strong and physical as they are because they got a big line. You can't no question about it. They got big boys, you know, and everything like that. But I was very impressed with Jackson State, the way they came out, and they fired off the ball. They opened holes for the running back. They kept that quarterback upright. I was watching the show earlier when the one guy said, if you take out the four and put the two, did you see a difference? And he was right. I mean, could you really tell the difference? I mean, because yeah. that man had time to drink tea, slice some cake, and throw the ball to the open receiver. I mean, that was just a beautiful job, well played by the offensive line. Yeah. Yeah, that, I, I made that comment earlier in the day. I want to go back to this uh, Buddy Pugh just for a hot second because I really think it was, it's a non-factor in the outcome of this game, and what I'm what I mean by that is Jackson State was just the better team on on yesterday. But I do kind of want to go back to the retirement announcement. You know, we've seen this kind of two different ways. You know, I remember I'm a, I'm a basketball nut, so I remember when Dean Smith retired from uh, University of North Carolina after all those years, and he did it like. Two days before, two days before the season began, right before the uh, practice began, but he he just walked away at that point in time. Got everybody there, made sure Coach Guthrie was set up, and just walked away. Here is yours. You got you got it now. And then uh, sticking in the state of North Carolina, we kind of saw what Coach K did uh, a couple of years ago. 
he announced that he had his farewell tour and everything else. And we've seen it kind of both, you know, both ways. But Coach K announced his retirement early enough where, you know, people had time to absorb it. Do you think with this, the change of landscape of football, especially this transfer portal, may have been the reason why Buddy Pugh held on to that? Because he didn't just wake up Thursday morning and say, I'm, I'm going to be done after this year. Yeah. This is something that has been on his mind for a while, probably this summer while he was recruiting. But if he announces this too early in the recruiting season, now nobody wants to come sign. So he waits till school starts and everything is, clo- is closed where these kids are stuck here this year. Do you think maybe that, that has something to do with it? Maybe there may have been some ill feelings like, if I'd have known this man was leaving, I would not have came here. I would have went to XYZ University. Just your comments on that. Thinking from a coaching perspective, I'm thinking that he probably figured that, you know, like you say, the offensive coordinator and him are friends and he just brought them through the summer. He knows his defensive coaches. You always think about your coaches first and your players second. Then he's got a good team behind him. You know, once again, him being an ex-O-line guy, he looked at those big figures right there in the trench saying, hey, I got a big offensive line. He looked at those two new freshmen that are very talented and they're young and they got good trail on their tires. So he said, I got good running backs. And I got guys on defense that can run sideline to sideline. So I'm, I, everybody wants to go out on top. You know, everybody wants to be like um, Buddy Ryan and Mike Dick could carry it off the field. You know, so I'm pretty sure he conversates with his wife and said, baby, this is going to be my last one. Because I saw a show yesterday where they said, what are you going to do when you retire? He says, I want to do some traveling. I got some friends and coach I want to go visit. I want to do some golf and get back on my golf game. So, yeah, you're right. This wasn't something that he just woke up there and said, I'm done. This is something that probably took place last spring. He talked over with his wife. But he, he wants to go out on top. And once again, I'm looking at on paper, that big line, those young running backs, that quarterback, that athletic defense. He's thinking, I, I got a good year where I can probably win seven, eight, nine, and say, hey, South Carolina State, thanks for everything you've done for me, and walk out the door. I don't think he was expecting yesterday. I was happy to hear that he said he put it on him and the coaches because I would have done the same thing. I always tell my players not to get off subject, but I always tell everybody when we win, I congratulate my assistants and my team when we lose. I, t- I blame I blame the man in the mirror, and I got to get this fixed. So I was happy to see that he, that he took responsibility with the coaches. Um, not to discredit you, um, AD, whatever like that, but – I truly don't think Jackson State was really the better team, although they won the game. I really do think that when he made that announcement, a lot of air went out of the South Carolina State University balloon. And and, and I can respect that. Uh, you got a six-year quarterback, Coach. Let me say that again. You've got a six-year quarterback. That is a rare luxury. Yes, it is. But you had a six-year quarterback who honestly played like a freshman. You know, can't really blame him though because he didn't really get the help. Not, 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 not to cut you off, brother, but he didn't really get the help he was looking for up front. I mean, as a six-year, as a six-year veteran quarterback, you're looking for what he had. You're looking for them six-five-six. I mean, he ain't got the six-two-six-three, the five-eleven, two-fifty-two-sixties. This man, this brother's got six-six-six-seven-six-five-three-twenty-five-three-fifties. So he's probably expecting they're going to play a lot better than they did. Not blaming offensive line because I'm an offensive line guy, offensive line coach, but they didn't play very well for him to show what he can do. You know, it starts in the trenches. It ain't the backfield, it ain't the defense. It starts in the trenches. And if they don't play well, everything falls down here as we saw yesterday. So let me finish my thought. So go, go, going back to that, you you don't, you know what you have. You know what your quarterback is capable because after – after five, six years, you know everything he can and cannot do at yes, this sir. point in time. But you saw that performance on Saturday. 
when you get back to the when you get back to the uh to the lab on most teams used to go back at it on Tuesday. What do you do? What do you change? How do you fix this? The first thing you do is you get with the offensive line and you have a heart to heart with them. You ask them to look each other in the face, look themselves in the mirror and ask them, who are you and why are you here? Because that performance Saturday was not us. That performance Saturday can never happen again, fellas. And you, you and you, you look at the O-line coach and be like, hey, buddy, um, I need a little more from you. You know, this whole group right here, this is a circle, and I'm included because I'm, I'm the head coach and I'm an O-line guy myself. So we have to get this fixed before next game because we got a six-year starter. I mean, we got a six-year veteran at quarterback. We know what he can do. We got two or three young guys in the backfield. We know what they can do. We can't. We know what the defense can do, but it starts right here. We have to get this fixed. Not a little, not a, uh, excuse me, not a lot of yelling and screaming and pointing fingers. Everyone has to take fault. The head coach, the O-line coach, and them guys out front that was on that line because – they just didn't play very well. Let's just be real about it. But it can be fixed. You know, the, the ship ain't sinking. It can be it can be managed, plugged, and, and bonded back together. But we got to get this done now. We have to get this done now. And that's me speaking from a coach's perspective. And I've been in those situations. Uh, let, let me let me add let me add yeah. to this, Drew, since we're talking about the South Carolina State and the offense and all obviously they had, you know, coach had mentioned they had a new offensive coordinator who just started in the summer. But when you when you go in, you you said something, Drew, about knowing what you have. Mm-hmm. Okay. When I go and look at the career stats of Corey Fields, the three full seasons that he has been the quarterback at SC State, not counting the COVID 2020 year, he's never been over a 50% passer. Never. 50.5 in 2019 was his best career year. 15 touchdowns, five interceptions. Now, that's just passing. You know, Corey, Corey actually, you know, he has a little bit of a rushing game as well, so he does some stuff there. But if you have an offensive line coach like what you've seen South Carolina State have, why – Why? we're asking, we're speculating here. So I, I know you weren't – I know you didn't play, make the calls, but I'm just thinking why are five of your first six plays passing plays and you're not running those freshmen. All right, when you have young freshmen, uh, I, I mean, is there something that you don't think – What what is it about freshmen that might make a coach apprehensive about focusing or featuring them in the very first or second drive of the game? Because we didn't see those freshman backs really get going uh, until the third drive. Okay, we're going to start backwards. Um, I'm, you're the new offensive coordinator. You've been there before, if I'm not mistaken. I think he coached there before for a couple of years, and he went down to the D3 level and coached okay. him back. Um, you got this six-year veteran quarterback, so you want to kind of highlight him. Um, yeah, we know he's already graduated. He's working on his master's, so he's smart. He's educated. But still, you want, you want to kind of highlight this guy because everyone knows I like to run the ball. That's that's why I was brought here, this big line. I got these young, talented running backs. So you want to try to give this quarterback an opportunity to get back there, go through his progressions throw the ball, you got some talented receivers, and you want to make sure that uh, the off, I mean, the defense of Jacksonville, I mean, Jackson State doesn't think, oh, we just already know they're going to run the ball because everyone pretty sure they did their homework on his offense coordinator. He likes to run the ball. Everyone did their homework knowing South Carolina State's got a great big offensive line, and I don't know if anyone knew about these freshman backs unless they were just paying attention to the recruiting list, but they know um, this guy's got a running background. He got this big offensive line. So you try to highlight your quarterback a little bit to give him some confidence to say, you know, you're our six-year man, you're our veteran. You're educated, um, you know, balls in your hand. Now, as far as freshman running backs go, 
we were all a little tempted. I mean, a little scared to play freshman because if he messes up, then his excuse is I'm a freshman as a coach. You can't really get on him because he's a freshman, you know, and everything sort of like that. So you want to take the pressure off that freshman by saying, hey, look, we got a passing game going. We just need you to hold the ball and run downhill, follow the big fellas downhill. Um, and, you know, um, I can't really answer any more questions because I'm not off. I don't know yeah, the guy. Yeah, I, just, I just know that um, me thinking if, if I'm in his shoes, that's my mindset. Highlight my six-year veteran. Uh, let's take some pressure off these young kids here. And if we happen to get up by two or three touchdowns, let's just, you know, show what they can do by running the ball. Um, they gave them the ball often and early. And uh, once again, you know, I, I saw a couple of good runs by the freshmen, but they didn't just get a chance to get loose because, I mean, I, I, think, it, I think it went downhill so fast. No one was expecting that, you know, and Jackson State did what Jackson State was supposed to do, keep pouring it on. And so they didn't have time to dry off and get refreshed. They, they, you know, they had to like stay in the mud and just keep getting slapped. And it was like, wow. And before you know it, I mean, what was it? 34 zero before they even scored or 30, 37, 30, 30, 37, 37 straight points before they scored yeah, with 22 seconds scored. left. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so you, 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 you love your freshmen cause you know, they're the future, but you kind of be cautious with them because if they make a mistake, First thing everyone's going to say is he's just a freshman. Mm -hmm. uh, let's go sort of big takeaways. Three, your big three takeaways from this uh, MEAC SWAC challenge. Uh, Jackson State gets the second consecutive win for the SWAC, uh, which uh, I, I think is I, – I'd like to think that the narrative is starting to change or maybe uh, all depends on what happens at the end of the year. But um, let's go. What are some of your big takeaways, your your biggest takeaways from uh, from the game last night? OK, Brian, when you say takeaway, are you are you saying like negatives or positives? You can go whatever direction you want to go. Positives or, or negatives. Three, okay. your three big takeaways, okay. whichever way, way you want to go with it, coach. First of all, let's start with what we started the conversation with, with T.C. Taylor, you know, getting that monkey off his back, because I'm pretty sure everybody thought that he was going to drown, fail. And he had something to prove, you know, first time head coach at his alma mater. Um, a lot of people, you know, didn't really um, want him to get the job, but he got the job. And all spring, summer long, everybody just was just downplaying his brother. So um, I, I, I give two thumbs up and kudos to Coach Taylor by the way he handled himself on the sideline. Um, like I say, I heard somebody else say earlier, he wasn't micromanaging his coaches. You know, I micromanage mine because once again, it's my name, it's my team. But he wasn't my, micromanaging his. He was letting coaches coach, which is good. Um, he was letting the quarterback do his thing. He was letting the O-line do their thing. Uh, he sat there when he needed to. He made adjustments, which is a good part on a head coach. Um, the second part was Jackson State's O-line. I was kind of shocked myself to see that they blocked the way they did. I knew they had good running game, everything like that. But let's be real, the last couple of years, you know, they highlighted Shadur's golden arm. So, but the way they blocked for that run game, I was very, very impressed. I was like, wow, okay, that's, that's two thumbs up there. And the third thing was just the way the South Carolina State played. And once again, I mean, I'm, I'm going to think this. As a player, I came to play for Coach Buddy Pugh. He's a, he's a legend. He's one of the best to ever do it at this level, any level. You know, let's just take HBC out of it at any level. He's The man's a coach. And so I came to play for him. And 48 hours before our kickoff, he says, hey, you got this my last go-round. Some, some air goes out of you like, huh? You know, some some air, your, your music turns down. Some air goes out of you like, no, 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 Coach, come on. And if you're a freshman sophomore, you're like, Coach, come on. Now, you, you said you're going to be here for me to graduate. And he's like, no, nah, there's some of the things I want to do. You, you, you're kind of distraught, you know, and that hurts the team. That, that really does hurt the team, you know. Um, so I'm going to say that South Carolina State, that wasn't a team that we're used to seeing. And I think it's because of that, that, that information that they got was a big blow. Now, I have no doubt that Coach Pugh and his coaches will get them back up and running to be the team we're used to seeing. 
But I'm, I really do think that because of that announcement he made right then and there hurt them. Mm-hmm. Um, one other, I want to add one. Other, I want to, I want to see what your thought is on one other thing. When I went back and listened to the broadcast uh, from ESPN, uh, Jay Walker and Tiffany Green, one of the things that I heard, and and obviously um, the the running back from Jackson State, Irv Mulligan, thirteen carries, one hundred nine yards, one touchdown. Of course, he had the forty uh, six yard touchdown in the first possession for Jackson State. He was a Wofford transfer. Wofford University runs a triple option, um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so the, it was highlighted the fact that you got a guy who transferred who's used to running between the tackles, and he looked really good. I mean, I'm looking at Irv- Mulligan is 5'10", 205. <laughs> so talk, what's it like for – or talk about the advantage when you got a young man who has – run for the last three, four years in that type of offense. And now you get him sort of in this uh, spread offense a little bit, uh, or this up-tempo spread offense. Uh, Could we be looking at a a young man that if he keeps on this pace, could he be a thousand yard rusher in this Jackson state offense? Oh, no doubt. He can easily be a thousand yard rusher. I think he proved it yesterday. As long as he's carrying the ball 14, 15 times a game, I don't think he needs 20, 14, 15 carries a game with those big runs that he had yesterday. I have no doubt he'll eclipse a 1,000-yard mark. He comes from a team that's Wofford, which is known for running, so he's already used to running the ball. I'm pretty sure in high school he was probably the man wherever he was, so he used to running the ball. So now he's got something to prove as an athlete. He's got to prove to head coach T.C. Taylor, the offensive coordinator, the offensive line, like, hey, believe in me, trust in me, I will help us continue the success that you guys have previously been having. Speaking as an ex-running back, I know, I mean, we get excited when we're in the backfield, we got that big line in front of us, and that, and that play is called, all right, thirsty, just die. Like, and I'm just calling out a play. I write 36 dive. You're like, okay, that's me. Boom. Um, you know, I left 35 dive. Boom, okay. 38 sweep. Like, boom, okay, okay. So you, so you like that and you're having success. Everybody's patting you on the back. And you're saying, this is the reason why I came here. So I, I, I see great things for that young man this year. I think he'll easily be one of the better. As long as he stays healthy, I think he'll be one of the better running backs in the swack. I was very impressed with him. Once again, we got to give credit to them guys up front because if they don't do their job, he can't do his job, you know, and everything's sort of like that. They, that. That run he had to the house, was a beautiful block. You go back and you look at that. That guard stepped up, and he was very, very patient. He just didn't go attack that. I think that was a safety or an outside linebacker that came down. He waited for that other guy to come, and he's a big, strong, physical guy. He moved him out the way. That tackle drove the other guy out of the way, and that hole just opened up like the Red Sea. And that young man did his job as a running back, took it to the house. Do you on the on the call? Uh, it was noted that maybe potentially that South Carolina State player made a bad read or was out of a in a bad assignment. Would you say when you watch that play? Would you say, hey, that was a just great offensive line play, or uh, to what to what level was probably some of that on the defender being in the in the bad spot, wrong spot, or do you or do you give more credit to the offensive line for making a good play there? As a defensive player, you're really never in a bad spot. Got to think about this: defense jails faster than offense because all you got to do is run to the ball. So when that young man has the ball and he's coming to the right side as a defensive tackle, outside backer safety, you're running to the left. So I'm not really going to say they were out of position or out of assignment. I'm going to say that was just great blocking by the guys up front because you go back and break down that play, starting with that left tap, starting with the tackle. It was on the on the right side, looking at my TV left side, whatever whatever it was. That yep. tackle did a great job of driving that guy backwards. That's what we preach as old linemen. Push that sled backwards and push drills. Get the guy in front of him, hands in front, butt down, head up, push him back. Great job by the tackle. That guard, once again, like I just said, he didn't just automatically 
run downhill and look for somebody to block. He stayed there. He was patient. He saw that guy coming. He jumped on him. He attacked him. Running back saw the hole and took it. So I'm I'm gonna say that was just great, great job blocking by the offensive line. That's a great point. That, that's I, I expected you to say that, but that, that was I love that. I love that. Give some credit to the to the big fellas up front. Hey, uh, coach, before we let you out of here, uh, week one is coming up. Um, uh, give I'm not gonna ask you about a particular game or anything like that, but let's talk. Just give people who are gonna be watching their favorite team this weekend. Give them something that they can uh, look for from offensive linemen from the upfront game. What's something that maybe a casual viewer misses or doesn't watch that that our listeners, our our viewers, can sort of pay attention to uh, this upcoming weekend? When you're watching a football game, a lot of people just watch the game. They they watch the running back run. They watch the quarterback drop and throw it. Or watch the receiver wide open. But when you watch the game, watch the trenches. Watch the hand play, the three-point stance, butt down, head up, is his back arched? Is he ready to spring? Is he on his toes? If he's flat-footed, then you know he's not ready to fire off ball. But if he's on his toes and, that, and them knuckles are down, you know he's ready to go. Next thing is feet work. A lot of guys think that because these guys are great big guys and they got bellies and white butts that they don't got good feet like running backs receivers. They do. So you watch his feet. They're not crossing over each other. He's stepping to the left. He's stepping to the right. He's stepping forward with the right foot. He's stepping left with the left foot. Those are the kind of things. You, and then his shoulders. Make sure his shoulders are down. Then last but not least is his hands. Is his hands inside um, the shoulder pad. You know, not out wide. That's when we get caught holding. That's easy call for a referee. But your hands are in the inside. Like we teach him thumbs up, thumbs up, hands, uh, your, your hands around his his uh, his chest. And, and you got him right there. That's, good, that's a good block from any offensive line. Pass blocking, run blocking. That's a good job about offensive line. So those are the kind of things that I tell people when you look for the offensive line. Look for those. Um, and then the next play. And the next play. Does he take plays off? On the first down, did he fire off? But second, third down, was he was he lazy? And fourth down, did he just sit there and block for the punt team? Or is it play after play after play? Is he firing off? And he's loving the game. He's you got like big Eric Williams, remember from the Cowboys? You would see Eric Williams in the fourth quarter. He's got a smile on his face because he's no he's killing that defensive tackle. He's killing him. And and you gotta love that as an old line coach and other other, other ah, excuse my language, fellas, other offensive linemen. You just gotta look there and say, wow, this guy's having fun. And so when you got five guys jumping up and down. No matter what coach is calling the offense play or, I mean, run game, pass game, they uh, they got their heads up and down, and they're blocking well. Quarterbacks upright. Running backs are getting five, six yards a pop. That's a good group. That's a good group. But feet work, hand hand placement, and firing off the ball is the first thing I tell people watch for that offensive line. Um, I'll be watching some games. I don't know really who's playing this weekend, but I'll be watching three or four games this weekend, and that's what I look for. I'm not really worried about what the quarterback or the running back or defense is doing. I watch the big guys in the trenches and make sure they're having fun and doing their job. Coach, I, I I love it. Love everything that you brought to the table. Uh, we can't wait for next weekend. Obviously, next Sunday when you come back, you're gonna give us some. You're gonna be able to give us some offensive line plays, whether it be uh, some uh, some input, some teams or some plays, good, bad. You know, I I know we don't want to spotlight the bad too often, but if, if it's bad, we gotta say it's bad. You know, I, we keep it real around here. So, but. Uh, we looking forward to uh to to a great season with you uh here on the network. Uh are you are you on social media? Are you uh are you big on uh Twitter or or Facebook or anything like that? I don't have a Facebook, but I do got a Twitter. It's at Coach Frosty. Um I got email and everything like that at coachfrosty at gmail.com. Um, you know, so anyone who's trying to get a hold of me, I'm I don't I'm not hiding, I'm easy to find. Um I can always give up my phone number if that if that's if that's I mean um respectful how I should say, you know, anything like that. But yeah, I am on Twitter at Coach Frosty. 
got a lot of people following me. I'm really surprised because I just got a Twitter built up like three months ago. And I, I, got, I got I got a lot of people following me. So I feel good about that there. I don't really know much about Twitter. One of my old coaches was like, hey, coach, you need to get Twitter. That's where it's at these days. And he's like, I'll build it for you. And so he built it for me. And every so often I check in. First, I had like two or three followers. Then I had 10 or 12 followers. Now I got high double digit, uh, three digit number followers. I'm like, whoa, okay. So I am somebody in this game. Thank you. I appreciate that. And Brian and AD, uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. I appreciate you guys hosting me this season. And hopefully towards the end of the season, Someone out there will recognize who I am and pull the trigger on me because I'm itching to get back on the field. Um, there you go. You know, I love talking football. Don't get me wrong. I love getting on the board. But ain't nothing like being on that field, smelling that grass, being around coaches and players, getting ready for Saturday afternoon. There you go, Coach. Love it. That's yeah. at Coach until, until, until you get that 100-degree heat. <laughs> I'm from New Mexico, brother, so, you know, you got to come with it. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, I believe you. I believe you. Hey, hey, Coach, just one thing before you go. Uh your alma mater started off started off 0-1 this year. Uh what? they had a week zero game. Also, they lost to Mid America Nazarene oh. 24-21 in overtime on oh. Saturday. So I had to break that to you, coach. I, look, see, coach, see how Drew did you see how Drew, see how you did At it home. on the first day. I was gonna wait until after coach left oh. to talk about that. I wasn't gonna do that oh. to the man on the first. See how you be hazing people, Drew. See how you be hazing folks up on the first show. Come hey, on. it's oh. HBCU love, man. It's HBCU love all, <laughs> all, all the way around here, man. You know, it's all good, I, I guarantee, I guarantee you, the, the moment FAMU or Tuskegee loses, he he's gonna be on my, you know what, also. So it's oh, all. And, love. Hey, and like Chris Tucker said, and you know this, man. <laughs> <laughs> Coach. Oh, beautiful. All right. Uh, make sure you guys hit uh, Coach up at Coach Farasi, F-A-R-A-S-I. Hit him up on Twitter. Let him know you appreciate the knowledge. Uh, offensive line. One advice on, on Twitter, Coach, tweet about offensive line play. People will eat it up because we don't hear people talking about it, you know? Uh, so, yeah, that, that's, that's my one Twitter advice. Talk about offensive line play any and every chance you get. Thank on you. Twitter, and I, I'm telling you, people will eat it up, and you you have that that that'll go from three digits. The followers will will triple, and and probably real soon because this football season, yes, and uh, we we we're ready to go. People are eating it up right now. So, um, all right, coach, we'll talk offline, and uh, we'll talk more. We'll look forward to having you on the show next week, um, and I appreciate your time tonight. All right, hey, you guys have a good one. Thank you. Look forward to seeing you next week. Yes, sir. All right. You guys make sure to check out uh, and hit up Coach Farasi uh, right there on the uh, formerly known as Twitter X. All right, let's take a break and come back, finish up talking about the the week zero games. Drew already mentioned one of our H, one of the HBCU contests. There was another close game. Isn't it funny, Drew? The feature game was the blowout game, and the other two games were actually pretty competitive and close. And, and and not and not seen. Well, no, one of them was seen. You could have seen one of them. You could have seen one of them, but yeah, you could have seen one of them. The other one, they don't even have stats up on. Well, anyway, let me not. I found I found the stats, Brian. You, okay, good. I found them on the on the other on. Okay, anyway, yeah. I know where you found them. So. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right, we're on the same page. All right. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, let's take a short break. Come back. 
right on the other side. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap right here on the Black College Sports Network. We'll be back in two minutes. Time to call a credit repair company to fix my credit. Hold the phone, man. You can do it yourself with Credit Versio. That's way too hard. Call the credit repair company. Most credit repair companies only work on one or two accounts at a time, making it slow and expensive. You won't figure that out for months. <laughs> Ignore him. Credit Versio's brilliant software scans all three credit bureaus, finds the accounts that are hurting your score, and guides you through the entire process. Anyone can do it. Let's fast forward and see the results. Wow, I fixed my own credit and saved hundreds. You can do this. Visit creditversio.com. T. Madden and Associates is a sophisticated and experienced law firm located in your neighborhood. We're turning injury to cash. T. Madden and Associates obtained almost $2 million for my injury. They turned my injury to cash. Now, we can't guarantee how much your injury is worth, but we've recovered millions for our clients. Call T. Madden Associates at 833-PAID-123. That's 833-PAID-123. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and parenting education coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. Thank you guys for what you do for HBCU Athletics. This is a fantastic avenue for, for, for all of us. This is our ESPN, so we, 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 we love what you guys do. Brian, AD, Roy, all you guys at BCSN, we really appreciate what it is that you, got, you guys do for us. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Uh, Brian and AD here. Um, Want to again thank uh, Coach uh, Coach Norman, Coach Farasi Norman, for joining us. You guys make sure to hit him up on Twitter uh, at Coach Farasi and uh, let him know you appreciate him. Also, make sure you go back and hit up uh, Chris Ferguson as well at D Two K Ferg F E R G, and uh, we appreciate him. Um, Got a text. I'm sitting here like I get a text during the show. I'm like, who's this from? For some reason, I don't have it saved. That's the worst, isn't it? Um, okay. Uh, obviously, you know, you you mentioned uh, one of the 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 
there were three HBCU games being played on week zero. Obviously, we know Jackson State defeated South Carolina State 37-7. You also had, as Drew just mentioned, Langston uh, hosting Mid-America Nazarene. And uh, that game went into um, overtime as uh, Langston had a 21-14 lead with about 12-40 in the fourth quarter. Uh, Nazarene ended up tying the game up at 21 with about 10.06 to play. And uh, then they went into overtime, Drew. And uh, Nazarene ended up... uh, I was trying to see if I could pull up the play-by-play here. Uh, let's see who got the ball to start. Uh, Looks, I mean, you would assume that Nazarene had the ball Nazarene first. Nazarene the ball first. They scored. Yep. The field goal. Uh, Langston's field goal attempt uh, from the 10 was blocked. And so uh, Langston had it blocked. Field goal on fourth down, fourth and goal, actually. And that was the ball game. And so uh, Langston starts the season 0-1. That was a, against another NAIA opponent, a uh, different conference from the what Langston plays. Um, I was just looking at Langston's schedule here. Langston's a part of the Sooner Athletic Conference. Uh, and that was their one non-conference game on the schedule. So uh, they do have a bye week. Actually, according to the schedule, they've got two weeks off before they take on Louisiana Christian University at home. So I don't know. Maybe, Maybe there might be a game that could get added. I don't know. Are you adding games this late into the year, Drew? No. No? Okay, so. No. It, your right. schedule is what your schedule is. All right. Um, Florida Memorial uh, traveled to West Virginia to take on Bluefield State? University. No. Oh, not, okay. Not, no, no, not, not Bluefield. That, this would be. This would be the red and white Bluefield then. Yes, this would be the uh, red and white. This would be Bluefield University. Not to be confused with Bluefield State University, the HBCU in the and, same and, area. And, and Brian, I I do believe Bluefield is in Virginia and Bluefield State is in West Virginia, but they're right there on the border, like literally across from each other. Well, the press release or the uh, game summary I'm reading says Bluefield, West Virginia. Okay. I, I, who knows? But maybe that could that, be maybe a, the university is in Virginia and the stadium is in West Virginia. I, I, I know there's, there's a Bluefield, Virginia, and there's a Bluefield, West Virginia, and they're like really one large, t- one large town, if I'm making sense. Yeah. Um, so Kind of like Kansas City, Kansas, and Kansas City, Missouri. Oh, I oh okay, that makes sense. See, thank you. That yes. makes sense. Uh, so Florida Memorial had a record-setting afternoon. Uh, unfortunately, their their chances of a win came up short as a pass was intercepted in the end zone, which helped preserve a victory for Bluefield. 
50 to 47. Um, Florida Memorial amassed a team total 685 yards. Uh, let's see. Hold on. Let me let me go back here. I'm reading actually right here from uh, fmuathletics.com. So I'm gonna I'm trying to skip around to get to the main bullet points, but I don't want to throw this off here. Uh, the much improved offensive line of Florida Memorial set records on the afternoon, including total team offense 685 yards, as well as total team rushing. Florida Memorial ran for 379 yards. Uh, Florida Memorial running backs combined for six rushing touchdowns. They also had 42 first downs, which is a school record. Uh, Quarterback Antoine Williams was 25 for 44, 306 passing yards, a touchdown, three interceptions. Unfortunately, there was a pick six involved in that, uh, which went back 90 yards. So, you know, a little, a few self-inflicted wounds there for Florida Memorial. Uh, but uh, not a bad start. I, I feel like Florida Memorial has been in these kind of shootouts before. If nothing else, this is an offense that that is not shy about putting up points over these last few years. So. Yeah, different, different coach, same mo. But Brian, look, look what they located at Brian. They're, they're down there in in South Florida. I mean, four fours are like like flowers growing down there in that part of Florida, man. They grow on trees, huh? Is that what you say? They saying? grow on trees, man. Four fours grow on trees. Well, this weekend, Florida Memorial. At least they've got a game under their belt. Be interesting to see if there's an advantage to that, to playing that contest, uh, because they're playing in the Big Cat Classic at uh, in Jacksonville at Florida at Edward Water, excuse me. And I think this is in the series. This is the third year of this series, and I think each team has won at home. So we'll see what happens this upcoming Saturday. <coughs> Excuse me. Cough. Good Lord. Uh, any other points? That... What? Say what? Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say I any final points injury. about any final points that we want to get on about week zero before we kind of close it up. Well, I, I, I just wanted to touch on something. Uh, speaking of the Big Cat Classic. In uh, Jacksonville, Florida, uh, obviously, uh, if you've been paying attention to the news, there was a uh, a tragic something tragic that happened uh, literally right around the corner from Everwaters University on this past uh, Saturday. There was a a racially motivated shooting that happened like let less than a like a block or two from the from their campus and it affected their 
the King's community, as they uh, as they call it over there. So uh, right there on New King's Road. So uh, our prayers go out to the Everwaters family and those in Jacksonville, although I do not think anyone who attended the university or anybody who worked for the university was directly involved in it. Uh, if you've been in that area in Jacksonville, that's a... Uh, it, it's, it's a community. It's, it's definitely a, a close-knit community. A lot of community support for Everwaters over there. That is the oldest HBCU in the state of Florida, the only Division II HBCU in the, the state of Florida. And if you go to uh, Dr. Faison's Twitter, uh, I, I believe it's Millennial Perez is his handle on Twitter, if I have that correct, Brian. He gives about an eight-minute statement on the on the incident. And shout out to Dr. Faison for not only being a leader within the confines of the university, but, but within the uh, community of Jacksonville, Florida. That's Millennial Prez, P-R-E-Z-1. That's uh, Dr. I forgot uh, the one. Yeah, A. Zachary Faison Jr. Yeah, so it's Millennial Prez, P-R-E-Z-1. Um, and I was just reading, uh, looking at his post from three hours ago. Uh, in solidarity with in solidarity with the city of Jacksonville and the Newtown community, Edward Waters University wow. will cancel its prayer vigil scheduled for Sunday uh, at nine thirty or excuse me at seven thirty p.m. on its campus. Uh, so that was something that was set to happen, but that was canceled. But as you said, you can. Uh, Go to his uh, web page or his uh, Twitter feed there. And so just keep that community <clears throat> in your thoughts and prayers. Um, okay. The upcoming games, week zero, there's at least, I just counted, nine games involving HBCUs happening on Thursday. So Thursday, August 31st, the last day of August, actually kicks off the start of week one. And there's only two of those nine games where actually the HBCU is hosting. Uh, Kentucky State is hosting Clark in Frankfort, Kentucky. And Lincoln, PA, is hosting Clarion and Lincoln University in Pennsylvania. Those are 7 o'clock Eastern scheduled kickoffs. The other HBCU games, you've got Virginia Lynchburg traveling to Carson Newman in Jefferson City, Tennessee. You've got West Virginia State traveling to Moorhead State in Moorhead, Kentucky. You've got Fayetteville State taking on UNC Pembroke. Uh, Chris Ferguson was just talking about that uh, that contest that'll be an interest that'll be a good one that'll be in Pembroke, North Carolina. Albany State is traveling to Wingate and Wingate. That'll be a good one. That should be a good one too. Yeah, debut of uh, Coach Quinn Gray there at Albany State. Lincoln, Missouri, is traveling to take on Emporia State in Emporia, Kansas. 
and Lincoln, Lincoln, Missouri is going to a new conference this year. They are. I forgot the name of the new conference, but really, they're in a new conference. How do we miss that? I don't think I've heard anybody talk I, about that. Did we? Did I, we I, I know. I, I mentioned it when it first came out, uh, but they are in a new conference, uh, and it, they they're adding baseball, and they joined a new conference this year. You know what? That I, I that that's got to be that that hopefully is a positive. Um, because I, you know, I hate to say the conference they were in. Was, was a it was a beast. It was. I, a, I, I'm not going to use the word it, it, hard, but it was. It was. It, 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 in football, definitely, and in basketball, it was very competitive. Although Lincoln did uh, hold their own, but they were no no even no better than a 500 team in that conference. Yeah, in yeah. basketball. Uh, okay, and then uh, a couple of uh, what we call payday games, paycheck games. That'll be featured on the ESPN Plus network. You've got UAPB traveling to play Tulsa in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and North Carolina A&T traveling to UAB in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, those are eight o'clock Eastern games. So Aggie, uh, the Aggies, they're going to open their season at UAB. And then UAPB traveling to Tulsa, so that is the that is the Thursday slate of games. So I don't know, is that Kentucky State Clark? Is that a SIC count them game, or is that one of those non conference conference games? Uh, you know, you the schedule. That's a good question, Brian. You would think I would know as the SIAC uh, expert. <laughs> I not to put you on the spot or anything. Not to put you on the spot. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, I, I actually I had the master conference schedule somewhere deep buried in my email, but I don't, I don't I, know I where that it is as of right now. Yeah, you're no, good. no. I actually had the master schedule from the conference on which games counted. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Oh, uh, so to, from from what I'm looking at, Brian, just looking on the surface, that should not be a conference game. Okay. Accounting because usually when you play the account, uh, yes, it doesn't count against the conference record. Okay, and Doc uh, did chime in and say that uh, Lincoln thank you, is thank you, Doc. the Great Lakes Valley Conference. Right, Great Lakes Valley. That conference goes uh goes north more towards Minnesota, Iowa, Missouri. Let me guess. Let me versus guess. Near, versus- near the Great Lakes. <laughs> but uh, uh, hey, yo. <laughs> <laughs> Ching versus versus their, their their former conference, which was uh Missouri, Kansas, uh in, into into those regions. Uh-huh. And we're more yeah. west. O- Oklahoma. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, let's uh let's go through because uh I don't want to be here forever. Uh I'm still I got off the I've only I've been only off the road for about an hour and a half. So mentally I may just fall asleep right here on the air if we go too much longer tonight. I'm, I'm mentally fatigued. I got to figure out a better method of travel than driving. Yeah, save the jokes. Call airline. Save the jokes. Save the jokes. Okay, here's some of the spotlight games. I'm going to go back to our show that we did with uh, Jamie Walker, our ultimate HBCU football road trip. And... Uh, some of the big games 
that I that I gleaned from that week. So you guys in the in the uh, chat room, you know, feel free to let us know if there's a game on here that we miss. Uh, but here's some of the matchups for week one, and then we need to pick five. We we've got to we got to decide, Drew. Our pick five contest, AD and I do always is we find five games and we pick those five games straight up. No point I, spread, straight up. Let We only got to pick four because for this year, let's make sure our game of our road trip is one of our five. Let's have some fun with it. What do you mean the game of our road? The well, game wait, that we pick on that uh, ultimate road trip. Let's just make sure that's one of our five. So Okay, so so we're are we actually going to – I like that, but that means – Okay, so we're not picking the same five games. I thought that's. Well, what I mean, we, well, that that we can say that's two of our five. That means we need to go with find three more in common. Or, or how about this? We do four the same, and then what you said, which is one of the one of the road trip games. Okay, I can live with that. All right, there we go. Okay, so let's start with. Um. Well, here we go. Spotlight games. We got. So, Hey Brian, you might want to start with what was our road trip game first, so we can go ahead and get that one out the way. All right, here we go. The road trip games. Okay, um, Drew's road trip game was Bowie State at Delaware State. Mine was Tennessee State at Notre Dame. I, I think you know who I'm going to pick. <laughs> Sorry, Tennessee State. Thank you. Not picking y'all. Did, did you see Notre Dame play this weekend? Against Navy. When you have a quarterback, as we saw in Atlanta, when you have a quarterback, you, all of a sudden your whole perspective on the season looks really good. I'm just saying, Notre Dame got a quarterback. But, but yeah, um, it's like Jackson State. Yeah, you, You've got reason to be excited when you got a quarterback. But anyway, so uh, Bowie State at Delaware State, Drew, who are you going with? Going uh, – uh... I oh, want to go get with my the notebook out because I got to write these down. Apparently, go ahead. I want to go with the upset. You know, Delaware State, new coach. But as I get deeper into this, I don't know what what Bowie actually has. But since Bowie was picked to win the CIAA North, mm-hmm. I'm still. I think I'm still leaning towards Bowie. Pick it up to W. All right. Okay, so here are the other matchups uh, that are that are worth paying attention to. Of course, uh, should I? I should save that for last. I'm gonna save that for last because it's not on Saturday. Uh, we've got Fort Valley State versus Tuskegee. That's the Red Tails Classic in Montgomery, Alabama. We've got. Grambling State versus Hampton in the Brick City Classic in Harrison, New Jersey at the Red Bull Arena. You've got Prairie View versus Texas Southern. That is a SWAC con- that's a SWAC West conference game. Labor Day Classic in Houston. That's going to be a big game. Big game. Virginia Union versus Morehouse in the Hall of Fame Classic in Canton, Ohio. You've got Florida Memorial traveling to Edward Waters in Jacksonville for the Big Cat Classic. We've got Shaw 
traveling to Benedict. Big CIAA versus SIC matchup. Winston-Salem is traveling to North Carolina Central. Alabama State is traveling to Southern. And then we have the Orange Blossom Classic in Miami Gardens, Jackson State versus Florida A&M. Well, Drew, what are the uh, what what are what are our thoughts here for the do we man four games, huh? Maybe uh, a couple of uh, let's see. How about we go? How about we go back and forth? We each pick one, and that way, what and we have to go with whatever we pick. That that we have to pick. So you you. I, I, I think one of I think one of the games are going to be in uh, <laughs> going to be easy for us. No, it's not. Don't don't do it. Don't don't oh. don't do it. Don't do it. But go don't ahead. Go ahead. It's your it's your call. You I, do whatever you want to do. All right. Well, I'm going to start with my alma mater, and I am going to go with the my second alma mater, and I am going with the. Tuskegee Fort House, Fort House, Fort Valley game. Okay. Tuskegee. Tuskegee has dropped the last two Red Tail Classics. But Tuskegee is eight and two against Fort Valley in the last 10. Tuskegee breaks the trend and writes the ship. In Montgomery, Alabama, on Sunday. All right, so you're going skiggy. Ah, ooh, this is an early match. Now, this doesn't count towards the conference, right? This is a non-conference conference game. No, this is non-conference match. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm. You said, and it's interesting what you said. And and I'm going to tell you this: they do have the preseason player of the year on. Fort Valley and Emmanuel Wilson. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Um, I think Fort Valley is a team that's going to be a factor in the race for the SIC. So I'm going to pick against you. I'm going to go with the team that's winning this thing, dominating this thing. I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go Oppo you. I'm going to go Fort Valley State in this one. I go Fort Valley State. So there we go. There's one. We're we're opposite. On opposite ends on on a game there. Okay, my turn, my pick, right? Yes. Let's go with a SWAT matchup. I got three to choose from that I just of the of the list that I just gave. I got three to choose. The one I'm most interested in, a Labor Day Classic in Houston, Texas, PV versus Texas Southern. So that's the game. I'm picking Prairie View versus Texas Southern. Um, okay, so since you gave, so I, since you picked it, I, I'll go first with my pick. I, I know Prairie View has dominated this thing, but if Texas Southern is going to be who they say they want to be, if this is the year for Andrew Body, if this is the year Texas Southern and Coach McKinney becomes a player in the SWAC West, it starts with winning this game. So I will pick Texas Southern in this game as my pick to beat Prairie View. Hadn't happened in a long time, but I'm going with Texas Southern. 
Kuiga. Hmm. Don't take too long now. This is uh. This is no. I. I this, this is just interesting. What I just. What I just uh pulled up regarding that game. No, regarding regarding uh this next uh this next game, but uh, Brian. This, All right, you're one ahead of me. Go it's, ahead. It's got it's, it's got to be the OBC, Brian. Well, wait a minute. Hold on. It Hold on. You haven't. Given, be... Wait. Stop. Stop. You haven't oh. given the pick for Prairie View versus Texas Southern. My bad. This game is going to come down to one thing, Brian. Well. Two things. Can Andrew Body stay upright? And can Texas a Southern place of defense? I think the running game from Prairie View is going to be too tough. And Prairie View is going to be victorious in this game. Hmm. All right, so we're already so we opposite. Opposite, we two opposite games twice. already. All right, yes. here's uh here's your second here's your second game. Don't do it. It's the OBC. It's the OBC, Brian. I'll screw you. Why oh, do you want to be lead OBC for you? Right, you you, you pick, I'll pick I, another game. No, no, go ahead. I'll pick go another. Ahead. Game. You want to pick this game so I, badly? Go ahead. You're gonna force me to have no. to pick. Go ahead. I'll pick another game. I will no, pick. I don't want to talk you off of it. If this is the game you want, pick no. this game. Uh, you just found something interesting, so I'm curious to, to hear game. what it is you found interesting. No, I want. I, I want you to pick. I can let you know what I found interesting. No, no, it's your pick of the game. So you pick the game <laughs> that we are picking. Come on now, Drew. Let's move it along here. We're here for a good time, not a long time. <laughs> How about Benedict and Shaw? All right, so your second selection is Shaw. How about Benedict Shaw? At Benedict. Yeah. Okay. All right. Shaw, the, the team in the CIAA that everybody's been waiting to get over the hump and see if they could challenge Fayetteville in the South. Benedict... The question that with Benedict is who's going to be playing quarterback for them this year? You know, they have Luper Donnellis coming back, uh, defensive player of the year in the SIAC, uh, top defense in the SIAC. Most of those guys are returning. What will the offense look like? Because as good as Benedict was, Eric Phoenix made plays last year. They were not. They were a good offense, but they weren't a great offense. They had a great, they had a quarterback who was great at making plays. So what's what becomes of that offense this year? I think Benedict has enough to stick to be victorious in this game, but I think this game is going to let us know what kind of season to expect from Benedict this year as they go through and if I if my memory serves me correct, this would be like fourteen 
break the season victories in a row should they pick up this victory on Saturday. Because they won yeah. 10 in a row last year, and I believe they won like their last three going back to the 21 seasons. Okay. Good stuff. Let's see Good if I stuff. can Okay. <clears throat> so for the fifth game and, and my second selection, I'm going with a, a classic. I'm going to go Grambling versus Hampton in the Brick City Classic. Um, I think this is going to be an interesting year for Coach uh, Hugh Jackson, who is still looking for a winning season as a head coach, no matter the level. I mean, maybe he's had a winning season if he when he was a high school coach. I don't know if he ever was a high school coach. But as a <laughs> professional or collegiate head coach, he has not had a winning season. There's a lot of expectation that Grambling will be better with their quarterback, Miles Crawley. Uh, I loved hearing at SWAT Media Day that, you know, Coach Jackson did some self-evaluation and really expects a better year, not only for himself, but his team. I love hearing coaches say that kind of thing. Gives me confidence early in the year. That I can all change based on performance of what I see on Saturday. But for right now, I'm going with Grambling over Hampton. Uh, I'll be honest, I have no idea what Hampton has. Um, so this is more of a play on Grambling than it is any kind of anything against Hampton. So I'm going as my fifth game, I'm going GSU over Hampton. Who you got in that game? Uh, Stepping back, Benedict has won 12 consecutive regular season games. All right. Moving over to the game that you just mentioned, Brian, Hampton and Grambling. Hampton, I think, is going to be an improved team this year. The problem is, Brian, no one will ever know how, how good Hampton can be because they're playing in the ultra-competitive CAA. You know, Hampton could be 50% better than last year and probably still wind up with a losing record. For both of these teams, this is a game that they get, that they have to have because this game is going to be a, a telltale sign of their season. But, Brian, my swag bias is coming out in this pick, Brian. I'm going, I'm going with you. I'm going with Grambling with you, Brian. Yeah, and and I think and I think we'll both be right there with Edwin Moore here, uh, <laughs> um, who obviously yes, I love the name Brick City Classic, and yes, yeah, bricks are missed shots in our world where we where we are coaches in basketball a brick. So yes, the the missed shot City Classic. I love the name. I love the nod. Or yeah. who was the what? Who was the town? Wasn't it Brick City like Portland? Or is it has it always been New Jersey? Rick City? Yeah, that was Rip City. That, that was Rip City. Oh, that was Rip City. Portland. Oh, okay. Rip City. Yeah. Uh, but Brian. Uh, yeah, but that's the oh okay. So that, 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 uh, that's interesting, Dave. Uh 
The last time and that kind of goes to my point. Yeah. Probably just, when they was yeah, living Hampton, to me I know I know Hampton doesn't like Hampton, like we, we, we did that on the over-under talking about where Hampton's wins are gonna come. And we, I know Hampton has been high, has been successful against HBCUs in the non-conference, and then they get in the conference play and kind of yeah, they kind of stumble over themselves a little bit. But I'm just going, I'm I'm going with Again, I I gotta. I'm shaving. Face bias for me. I'm, I'm yeah. I, I I agree. It's it's a Hugh Jackson bias again. I still am trying to figure out whether he's 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 TBD. My thoughts on Hugh Jackson are TBD, um, based on what I see this season. I'm a, I'm gonna give him the whole season. I'm not gonna cut him short on just uh, you know, one thought there. Uh, all right, so again, recap our picks. Drew is taking Bowie over Delaware State. Tuskegee over Fort Valley State. Prairie View over Texas Southern. Benedict over Shaw and Grambling over Hampton. Um, I am in agreement with Drew on the Benedict and Grambling. Uh, one of my five games is Tennessee State losing to Notre Dame, since Drew told us that we have to pick one of our ultimate road trip games. That was my ultimate road trip game, uh, which happens to be the first HBCU to visit Notre Dame and play at Notre Dame Stadium. So that is why that was on my ultimate road trip game. And uh, I am oppo Drew. In the Fort on the Red Tails Classic, I'm going with Fort Valley State. I'm going with the team that has won this thing the last two years, and is a favorite. Or I'm scared. I'm sorry, that may not be a favorite. They should be in the running for you know the SIC championship game. And then I'm going with Texas Southern over Prairie View. Another game. This time I'm going Oppo. The trend. The trend says take Prairie View because Prairie View has owned this thing. But I'm saying. This is the year Texas Southern finally steps out of the shadows and becomes a, a contender in the West. And it starts with week one. Can, can I mail in my my ONG strike zone pick for you since I won't be on there? Can I go ahead and get that now? Yes. Yeah, so the, the uh, OBC. Yeah. You yeah. save yours with the ONG. Are you giving score predictions or anything no, like that? No. The, I'm not giving score predictions. All right. I, I, I just, the only thing I'm going to say is, A, fam, you will score a touchdown this game, y'all. God hope so. Charles Bishop, Royal Maxwell. Uh, who else in here from uh, from Jackson State? It, all, <laughs> all, all, all my Jackson State people, fam, you will score a touchdown this week. That's your bold prediction. That's that that that's my boldest prediction. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think this is going to be a season of trends for Jackson State, Brian. Coach T.C. Taylor went into Atlanta, went forward in in Atlanta as an assistant coach. Uh huh. Then he wins as a head coach. Jackson State has defeated FAMU the last four times that they have played. 
dating back to 2014, 2014, 2018, 2021, and 2022. Let's, uh, we, the, come on, 2014 was a decade ago, but anyway, go ahead. Uh, will you let me make my point? I'm sorry, because somebody, okay, go ahead. I'm quiet. Okay. So we saw Jackson State break a four game losing streak for Coach TC Taylor this past Saturday. Now, I think we're going to see the opposite. We're going to see Jackson State's four-game win streak get broke this Saturday, this Sunday, in in Miami Gardens, Florida, as I have the Rattlers coming out on top. There you go, Edwin. See? So he is picking FAMU. I was was worried. I was worried. I was worried you might you were gonna not pick them, um, but I, I think I, I think you go see a bunch of trends. We saw the O and four trend get broken. Now I think we're gonna see the four and O trend get broken this week. I hadn't had the symmetry to to set it up right. I see what you did. I respect it. I respect it. Um, and then I have, but I, you can save your analysis. Save your analysis for Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'll save my analysis for Wednesday's ONG Strike Zone. Um, uh, we will have uh, Timona on the show. She loves the. She will be on the show Wednesday night to give her perspective of uh, she, she, Jackson State. She may not love the this week, though. Well, I mean, I there's a, you know, it's funny these. <laughs> The when you when you get out to a good start, and you know what we should do? We should I should I'm gonna go back and look at the teams who have won that week zero contest, uh, maybe the last four or five years in the MEAC SWAC challenge, and just see what their first couple weeks were after that game. Um I got because, one for, I got one that sticks out to me, Brian. What's that? You remember years? You remember when Central beat Alcorn? Yeah. In the BX Whack Challenge, uh-huh. and then laid the egg against Valley later on that season. Well, but when when was that? When they laid the egg egg against Valley? How, was, how how far? That was the same the season. season. That was that, yeah. But that how was far into the season? That how was, far into the into the season? That may have been like two weeks later. Well, I, I'm just I'm just wondering. Game. I'm just wondering what the you know, what playing the the next week or two is like. I mean, there's a lot of optimism, especially if you won. If you won, you know, you, you're, I don't know. I, let me see who the games are. I may share this on Wednesday's show in terms of what you're feeling. I know from a fan base perspective, because I'm on the opposite side of this, I, and I really mean this. Again, I, I – I'm eating crow because I had South Carolina State in so many ways. It's ridiculous. Um, not even going to get into. I, 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 I left that game like I was per, I was personally invested in that game to a point where I was driving home, Drew, and I felt as bad as I did a year ago after FAMU lost in the OBC. That's how I, I mean, literally shaking my head, trying to figure out how I handicapped that game so flipping wrong. Um, I have no words for it. And, and yeah, I mean, 
I'm I'm scratching my head. I mean, really. I mean, I I maybe the whole announcement of Buddy Pugh did have a factor. I I I I just man, I I just the one the one thing I say is JSU folks were adamant about telling me that hey, JSU has done this before. You know, with with 90 over 70 players that you know, and then you come into the season and get off to. I I guess so. I guess so, man. I I just damn, I got it wrong, bad. You know, I'm and I and you know, it's a, it's a good reminder going into the season, Drew. You know what? One, I need to pay attention to our computer data data analytics a little bit more instead of instead of saying poo poo. What does the computer know? I need to pay attention to the computers a little bit more because again. The computers were all saying 15, 14 points, right? And I was like, no, there's no way, no. And Brian. Yeah. Brian. And we are a network who rely on computer analytics for our rankings. You should know better. Yeah. Well, you're right. But I, again, I, I just, I, again, I, I, I was wrong. I was wrong. I thought those numbers were based on production from a year ago. You know, so somebody out there, look, I'm not going to do it, but I would love for any of the Jackson State folks or any of the people who have their shows, you know, go do a dive into the production. I mean, because the production is pretty impressive. When you go back and look at the Jackson state production in that game, um, they had three, four, five. Well, technically among their, their two primary running backs. uh, I know Mulligan was the main guy, but they had two other backs who carried the ball positive yards receiving. They had eight different receivers, you know, eight different receivers. The guys who caught most of the balls didn't even score the touchdowns. You know, they had three guys that that had four, five, and eight receptions, all for 50, uh, let's see, 57. Let's see, Duke Miller, eight catches, 57 yards. Isaiah Spencer, five catches, 64 yards. Rico Powers, four catches, 95 yards. Those three guys didn't even score the touchdowns. <laughs> it, was, it was other guys who scored the touchdowns, right? Um. And Brian, then what has changed besides the numbers on the front of the jersey? Nothing. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So uh again, I think we all come away kind of uh shocked at the game. I think the game plan from South Carolina State was horrible. It was flawed. Um and uh, they asked Corey Fields to do too much too early. And uh, they, they should have leaned on their offensive line. They should have went to the running back sooner. And uh, that's that. Um, the, I was looking at the possessions. I mean, the second half, what's, what Jackson State did in the second half, touchdown, touchdown, field goal, field goal in the game. I mean, damn, you talk about putting the game away. 
and it was only 17-0 at the half. So you're whatever thoughts you had, and, and they played it masterfully because Jackson State got the ball to start the second half. And so uh, – but the one good thing is we had the conversation with Coach Willie Simmons. Coach Simmons now knows how fast Jackson State is going to want to go. So I'm sure when they're practicing this week, they're going to be practicing, hey, you after a play – you got 10 seconds to get lined up and ready because Jackson State is going. If they play at that same tempo, um, that'll be interesting. Uh, one final one. Let me ask another thing, Drew. Did you notice anything about the clocks? Did you know now? Did you did you see? Uh, do you feel like the the new rules as it relates to the clock? Do you feel like it had any kind of impact other than maybe the number of possessions or plays run, which that always can, you know, if you score a lot on few plays, I mean, then I guess, you know, it is what it is. But I think Jackson State had only 60, 30, only 63 plays run. They only ran 63 plays, which is, uh, I charted this. Last year, Jackson State averaged about 70-something plays a game last year. Any any thoughts on the clock situation? All I, I don't know about the clock situation, but in the real clock, it was still a three and a half hour ball game. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? It was still a three and a half hour ball game. Interesting. Um Okay, and I noticed that other side I'm on has the updated team stats too, Drew. Yeah, because I've noticed it's changed. Total yardage for Jackson State is 494 officially. And uh, 26 of 30 now showing for Jason Brown instead of what I was reading earlier. So they must have got the memo. Uh, (laughs) 24,238 was the attendance. Pretty much ninety-seven percent capacity. Uh, that was a record. Largest attended game, yeah, for Atlanta. For Atlanta, right? Third largest. And third overall. largest overall. Yeah. yeah. Now, the one thing I'm going to be curious about is the television ratings because what was curious, there were several markets around the country that. Either you didn't get a chance to see this game or you had to deal with cable issues. And this is why this is why I'm telling you this, the the, the networks, the, there's this fight going on between cable companies and networks. And I'm telling you, Drew, streaming, they're just going to say bump you cable companies. We're just going to go streaming. We're just going to put our stuff on the stream and then let people decide how much they want to pay or what they pay. But uh, in talking with our with our group, there are certain markets that did not show this game because of contract issues between ABC and the cable networks. Direct, um, direct TV, or Comcast, or Charter, or whoever you've got. Right. Um, apparently there is a cable dispute with Comcast potentially in some markets. Um, 
I know, let's see, I'm trying to read here. Uh, Baltimore, for example, if you were in the city of Baltimore, because there was a Baltimore Ravens game, uh, which shows the, the Ravens preseason games, that game took priority. So the ESPN or, or the this Meek Swag Challenge game was on ESPN instead of ABC. Uh, um, Direct TV or AT customers, AT&T customers who live in New Orleans, Knoxville, Nashville, or Richmond couldn't watch their local ABC affiliate because they are owned by Nexstar Broadcasting. And that company has been in coverage dispute with AT&T, excuse me, since July 2nd. Uh, that was a text uh, our good friend Mo Carter sent us. So I'll be curious to see uh, Coach Ferrasi. Actually, that's also, Coach, this is what made me think of this. Coach Ferrasi in New Mexico. It, it wasn't on AT&T. It wasn't on, uh, I don't know what he has. But I think he, he did have Comcast or I think out there, but coach was telling me he couldn't find it on the ABC affiliate, It, but it was on ESPN. So I'll be interested to see what kind of numbers that game drew. Um, We got somebody here in the chat that said cable didn't carry the game because ABC and cable negotiate. So 18. So if you had, if you were an AT&T subscriber, then you 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 had to deal with issues, you know. But again, that's why I said you got ESPN.com. You go to ESPN.com, you can watch it. Uh, or if you have the, or better yet, better yet, if you have ESPN Plus, because sometimes if your what cable is connected to your ESPN account, you got issues sometimes. I don't know. It is what it is, Drew. Um, but but it'll be interesting to see what kind of uh, coverage you get uh, for that game. Okay, any any final thoughts or any anything you want to touch on before we shut it down here as we get ready for week number one coming up Labor Day weekend this weekend? Uh, no, just shout out to all, uh, to John Grant first of all for putting on such a tremendous event. Uh, executive director of the BX Swack Challenge, the Cricket BX Swack Challenge, and the Celebration Bowl. Also, uh, the sponsors of that Coca Cola, Cricket, Wireless was there. Uh, the Army was there. I'm trying to think who else would I see as the uh, some of the major sponsors who were there. But any any of those people who are those major sponsors, let's let's make sure we go out and. And support them because they are supporting us. Uh, number two, great to be around the guys uh, again, Brian. Uh, of course, you were there. Doctor Cavill was there. Uh, the whole the whole inside the HBCU Sports Lab crew: Charles Bishop, Mike Washington, uh, Kel Kelvin Rozier from uh, the OAG Strike Zone was there. Kelvin Carter, uh, Gramlin alum, who's a friend of the network was there even the boss man showed up roy was, <laughs> was there <laughs> roy usually says everybody else along bumped into a few other people uh, uh from around the hbcu diocese luke williams uh stephen gaither 
you you and Stephen Gage to pull up at the same time and the media lot as the media lot was closed. And I thought that was funny. Yeah, they closed the lot, right? Like the car right in front of me gets a chance to go. It was the last car. was the last car. Too many people in the club. You got to wait till somebody come out. That's what you was. I would have been there sooner. I tried to turn down the very street that they opened up literally five minutes later. And an officer was like, "Uh, uh-uh, you can't go here. And I was like, well, this is the purple lot. And he was like, uh, uh-uh, you got to go back the other way. And I'm like, oh, my God, dude. Anyway. So you would have got in. Uh, who else? Ken Rashad, uh, Michael Jefferson, uh, Luke Williams. Uh, I, didn't to think of... I didn't see Mike, but he was there. Good oh, you didn't see Mike? Yeah. Uh-uh, Mike. Yeah, Michael Jefferson was there. He, he, he was up there like two rows behind us, Brian. Oh, he was? Okay. okay. Yes. The the point the point is, the point is, I think all of that that Drew is saying is there was there's some great coverage of this 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 thing that we that we're doing here. And uh we encourage all of you to try to consume it, but really we gotta share. You know, sh- you're gonna have your favorite shows and your favorite people, that's great. But uh, regardless, whether it's us or somebody else, make sure you you hit those thumbs up, the likes, the views, but also share. Let let your friends, you'd be surprised how many people in our communities don't know that you can get HBCU coverage. Um, I know, you know, it's, it's disappointing to hear that this game wasn't on in Los Angeles. That's a major market to be missing out on the ABC. Here's a game that's, you know, the one year that they decide, Drew, look at this. The one year that they decide to put the game on linear terrestrial TV, guess what? Unless you, you can't get it. And this would be the excuse not to put it back on next year because I know well, it's for low. But, but think because... about that. Think about it. They, the, there weren't very many sexy week zero matchups to start off with. Let's keep it no. real. There really weren't. I mean, USC and <laughs> San Jose State. Done. There were Hawaii, none. Vanderbilt, there were none. There were never none. Garbage. The only only people who were and, and, watching those games was the, who had money on one side or the other. Was there even a competitive game on Saturday, Brian? Uh, uh, Hawaii Vanderbilt. Okay, you, na- you mean, named the one. Yeah, but I mean, who's watching Hawaii or Vanderbilt? Yeah, I'm just saying because every other game was a blowout, including the uh, cricket uh, BXY yeah. challenge. Yeah, so you know, the one year that they decide to put it on ABC, uh, I was so ticked that various places that were talking about Week Zero games wasn't even mentioning the fact that this game was on ABC, and I wondered why. And you know why? Now I know why because the doggone <laughs> game wasn't on ABC everywhere around the country. It, yes, it wasn't national. So you know, two steps forward one kick in the leg, take a step back, not just take a step back, but to kick you in the leg and take a step back. So, but, but look, some of you know, but it is what it is. I, I just want to finish my point. What I was saying about mentioning all those people. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, everybody out there, even though most of those people that I name, over half those people I name work for different entities or independent writers or, podcasters or whatever we are not in competition with any of them they are not in competition with us 
we're all there having three minute, five minute conversations, deep conversations about what can we do to help each other out? Because we, we all know as any one of us grows, the rest of this, what we're doing, the way we're disseminating this information, it continues to grow and we become even better and more powerful in this marketplace. So, of course, we want you to follow, to like, subscribe, follow, share, and support the Black College Sports Network first. But once you do that, we don't mind you going to supporting another HBCU show. And if you still got, if you got some time and or some money left over after doing that, help somebody else get a show started. How about that? I'm done. Mm, you're talking about helping people get a get a show started. Look at you. The more content we have out there, the better this whole thing is. There you go. Hey, uh, every school and, and, and every school does not have a school-based podcast. That's where I'm going with that. Every school should have somebody doing something like the OG Strike Zone or like a Carlos Brown show or like uh with deep deep pregame show. Every school or uh, 1876 sports and culture. Every school should have something school centric on, on the line on the airwaves somewhere. Some schools have three, four different shows. That's fine. The boys the barrier, because now you get so, they're different genres. But that, that means consumers have choices. All right. Um, all right. I uh, want to remind everybody again, youtube.com slash myjbnonline slash join. Be a part of the JBN membership family uh, exclusive first watch content. We're going to be doing some post-game shows on Saturday nights. Uh, might even be doing some uh, in-game watch parties, things like that. But uh, more importantly, it's your opportunity to support the Black College Sports Network, Jericho Broadcast Networks. Uh, is a parent company, and uh, we just want to continue to try to uh, keep bringing good content over the next 25 years, because uh, 25 years we've been doing this, trying to do it for 25 more as long as the Lord lets us do it. Uh, got some new shows coming up here. Uh, Drew, your show debuting Monday, tomorrow? That, that is the plan. All right, all right. We, we, you know, Lord we, willing. Gotta, we got to... Gotta get an are announcement. Are we coming on next Sunday? Are we gonna come? Are we coming on next Sunday? Or we okay, on next yeah, Friday? we need to talk about that. Next you, Sunday, you, I'm gonna be in a press know, box. The red tails and, and the ONG. I mean, the ONG, the OBC. Are you going to the red tails? Still, I, I haven't decided yet. All right, I, I'm so, credentialed, but I don't know if I'm going to make the trip. So, if we don't do a show, then we can we'll we'll have to do a Labor Day edition of the show, and we might have to do it in the daytime because of the SIAC gridiron. Right. If you're doing your show at night, we need to do our show in the daytime. So that'll be good, and we do it before anybody. Got me to do it at you know we'll we'll work it out. So pay attention. Pay attention. That's why you need to be subscribed. Exactly. Be subscribed. Hit the bell notification so that way when shows get ready to go, 
you'll get a notification about them. Make sure you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MyBCSN1, the number one. And um, um, that's uh, that's how you can do that. Um, go check out the BCSN pod zone, as you will. And I'm going to give a little plug for that. Podcast of this show and other shows like Carlos Brown's show last night, uh, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, the ONG Strike Zone, and some more that are coming are all going to be part of the BCSN pod zone, uh, a one-stop shop for all of this great content in podcast format on Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Apple and Google Podcasts, Radio Public, and more. So want to encourage you to do that. So, um, all right. Tomorrow night, SIAC Gridiron Report, 8 p.m. 8 p.m. 8 p.m. Eastern Time, SIC, talking SIC football. Uh, that'll be a good show. Be looking forward to looking forward to watching that show, Drew. Um, good luck. Have a good first uh, have a good first episode. You guys got plenty to talk about in the SIC. Should be a good fun league to watch this year. All right, and so with that, we'll close up the show by thanking everybody. Both, Aaron. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it'll be on Facebook and YouTube, so we'll we'll make sure to uh, and on the BCS and Twitter. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. If you're following the Black College Sports Network, you'll you'll get all of these shows. So, yes. yeah, uh, um, <laughs> Edward said Wednesdays Wednesdays are getting getting crowded. Phrase, hey, you know, that's, he that's got cool. right. HBCU hey. nightly, you guys, uh, you know. Hey, look, I, I would hope every day of the week is crowded with HBCU content. And, and you know what you do in that case? You figure out which one you want to watch live, and then you go back and let the other one play like when you're on your way to work or when you're in your office or exactly. You know, because you know I love I love the Carlos Brown show and part of the uh BCSN family, but I rarely am able to catch Carlos Brown live. I always mm-hmm. have to go back and watch the replay. Mm-hmm. No offense, Carlos. It's just the timing of when the show comes on. But, hey, you still get your numbers from me. Yeah. The more content, the merrier. The more content, the merrier, I continue to say. All right, Drew, let's get out of here because I am hungry, starved, and tired. I feel like I got to go get something to eat. Otherwise, it's going to be a long, difficult night of sleeping. So, Let's get ready to bag it up. Uh, thanks to everybody for watching the show again. Go hit up our guest, Chris Ferguson and Coach Ferrasi Norman. Let them know. Uh, let them know that you appreciate their content, the information. Go watch the show. Uh, congratulations, Jackson State fans. Hope you enjoyed your your twenty four hours. Now it's Orange Blossom Classic week, and it's time to go. We coming. We coming. Like my like my friend Ken Woodard, former Denver Denver Broncos linebacker, Tuskegee University uh, graduate, would say, "It's football, baby. Let's go, guys. Be safe out there. Take care of yourselves. Uh, have a great start to your week, and we will see you next weekend, probably Monday afternoon, uh, right back here on the Black College Sports Network." 
Have a great Travel week, everybody. Day, everybody. Peace out. But you're my piece of your heart.